Hawk in the ocean over his head. The terrorist sets sail for home. But the eagle hit the ground. Leo Barry, you start! Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Have we ever spent two hours at the MCG like this before? Is that the grand final? Sydney Apprentice! The best team of the modern era of the last 50 years produces its masterpiece. The stadium holds its breath. It's a goal. Shades from the boundary. Needs to be in perfect years. He's got the most impossible goal. Welcome to We Talk Footy. It's episode four. My name is Joel, and I'm joined by the man who thinks Jeremy McGovern is cute. Jay, welcome. You know, he's cute like a Mrs. Max Pie. So uh, he's very, he's very huggable, isn't he? Yeah, you know, he's the big friendly giant who can play in a grand final with broken ribs. So, and also joining us this week once again, making his second appearance on the podcast. Rio is the contraceptive device. That's right. It's the Frio contraceptive device himself, Cameron. I I don't remember saying that. That doesn't sound like me at all. I swear that's doctored. <laughs> oh, you're on record saying that. Don't worry. Uh, welcome, Cameron. Yeah, how, how have you been? Oh, I've been pretty... Yeah. It's been... <laughs> oh, plenty of sunshine. I'm just going to the beach a lot. I've been going to the shops, cafes coughing up a storm it's been great you've been ignoring everything that you know we're trying to do and just looking after number one is that right i'm not sure what what are you talking about what <laughs> procedures what precautions oh, okay. i was gonna say isn't that what fair supporters do but then there's all the rumors about nick now having a party so well i figure they're just following their their fearless leader who just fucks off for a surf whenever he feels like it right oh well if you're working and you need to exercise <laughs> yeah, if you're working why not have a surf okay. as well it's like yeah. if you're working 500 k- kilometres away from the beach, but, you know. If you want to see how fast a virus travels, you should see a West Coast supporter <laughs> yell, ball, or boo. And you'll see, you'll see the spread. It's quite, it goes a few seats forward. That's why we're not having football. Prayer supporters make a lot of people can rock up at certain games, so... <laughs> Well, you know, you can't win as an Eagles supporter because they used to get blamed for being the, the Chardonnay set who just, you know, golf clap when the team kicks a goal. And, you know, now in the last decade, they're finally making some noise and, and tearing the shit out of the opposition. Apparently that's bad too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, a Freo supporter can't win either because they rock up and they're just kind of labelled as being a Freo supporter and trash straight away. So, I mean, it's... It, I think it just comes with being a WA team, doesn't it? <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, like, you know, we, you go to the football, you have a good time, you, you're around people that like you and you like them, and, and then you just bite the bullet and go home with a loss. It's all good. Do they like you, though, or is it just because you support the same team? It's mostly that. I mean, uh, that's why I assume Joel got you on board. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I were to rock up to the game and see another West Coast supporter, they're not going to be my friend. They're just going to sit there and go, okay, you support the same team, I won't stab you, so. Yeah, I mean, Wait, yeah. hang on. you got to make sure That's you carry your own shiv. Well, before we uh, jump into this week's game, the last week we had a, quite a rigorous discussion about one Paul Hazelby's ball sack. Now, I've actually got my information incorrect. I do apologize. 
it wasn't his ball sack hanging out. It was actually his old fella. So, you can actually Google it as well. Cameron, you Googling right now as we speak? Just look up Paul Hazelby in Google Images. It's the very first image. I've, I feel I'll like this is... I'll that Paul Hazelby image in your mind. Oh. Uh, I feel like yeah. it's Joel's background at the moment on his computer. <laughs> it's just got to yeah. sit there, you know, I am, like zoomed in as well. I am tempted to cut it into the YouTube version of this podcast, just for those watching at home. Yeah, but it m- might actually breach their uh, policy about nudity as well. That's the one thing. Well, we'll see if we can slip it through, maybe. Just halfway through the game. I seem to block everything else, so I wouldn't be surprised if this one got through. <laughs> Pop it in the game as like random moments, this flash of just, you know, the tip there just hanging. <laughs> Subliminally. For, for people who like, don't like, really uh, support the Dockers, you, you're certainly talking about Paul Hazelby's junk a lot. <laughs> well, you know, I was a young, impressionable man, and, you know, I didn't need to see that. And the West Australian just plastered it all over their back page. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I've seen bigger dicks on the back page. <laughs> <laughs> the West Australian. Oh, thank you. That's next week's introduction audio for you, Cameron. Uh, <laughs> thank you. All right, so right as it go. Today we're talking about possibly the most famous VFL slash AFL grand final, and it is what, Cameron? It is a good game. How good is it? And how good is Gary Ablett? <laughs> yeah, which game is it? <laughs> Oh, it's um, <laughs> of course. It's the 1989 grand final, the VFL grand final. Well, and Cameron's already started his wank first for Ablett. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take long. It won't take long. Yeah, Gary Ablett had quite the September, but we'll broach on that as we talk about the game. Both these teams coming into this grand final, Hawthorne, it was their second season in a row on top of the ladder, I think it was. Um, yep, they were the premiers of the season before. Yep, um, I think they lost about three games for the entire '89 season, and also three games over the '88 season as they marched to their first of two flags over these two years. Uh, Geelong were actually under first-year coach Malcolm Blight and didn't make the finals previous year in '88, and they had a big, big year. Uh, I think they had a bit of a slow start, but once they got going, they were smashing teams, and they finished third behind the Bombers. Actually lost to Essendon in their first final quite convincingly, and then turned it around when they met again two weeks later in the prelim final. So they got to take on the Hawks, and we're going to watch this game. You probably won't see too many grand finals in our podcasting journey that have as many goals as this one has. 42 yep. goals are kicked yep. in this game. So basically no defence. Just basically. a game of no defence. That was Geelong's um, playstyle, wasn't it, for this era? It was just if you kick 22, we kick more. Yeah, that's the uh, that was the Malcolm Blight uh, school of coaching. He uh, just kicked goals, man, and... You watch Gary Ablett, he's very similar to in sort of that freak, enigmatic, half-forward turned full-forward type player that his coach Malcolm Blight was. So they're very, very similar. Quite remarkable. You wouldn't say too many players are similar to Gary Ablett, would you? Not at all. 
Not at all. I mean, uh, the comparisons pretty much go as far as father and son, to be fair. Yeah, and I mean, even uh, Ablett Jr., quite a, a freak of his, in his own right, but a much different player to his to his old man. Uh, anything you guys want to address, or do you want to jump into this? Because I think you guys are itching to to get it done and then go to sleep. No, I'm, I, I'd like to address one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how good was the season for the Eagles, though? Well, we were trying to avoid that, Cameron. <laughs> okay, because I'd like to talk about it. 11th right. on the ladder, 14, belted in round two against Geelong. <laughs> I think that it's it's pretty, uh, yeah. Yeah, we actually had a, had a low point in 89 uh, against Essendon where we kicked one goal, and I think that came in like the last quarter. Uh, that was at the old Windy Hill that Essendon used to play at, and it was a horrible game. I think the players uh, were just disgusted with themselves. The coach was disgusted. Uh, I think someone uh, ran home from the airport to punish himself. It was quite a low point in the short history that they'd been around. It was only their third season. They'd actually made finals uh, in 88. Tail end of 89, the Eagles started to to get their act together a little bit. From memory, guys like Peter Sumich started as a defender in 89, and they switched him forward. Uh, Obviously became a prolific goal kicker over the next few seasons for the West Coast. Uh, And they rocketed back up the ladder in 1990 and made it all the way to a prelim. And obviously grand final and premierships followed in subsequent years. Now, Are we watching the 92 grand final? Or? <laughs> well, Cameron brought it up, so I had to finish it. Now, both of you guys were uh, bubs in 1989. I think Cameron mentioned earlier that you were about one, one year yeah. old. And Jay, you yeah. were two? Yeah, thereabouts. thereabouts. Bit over, bit under. Yeah, so obviously you don't have too many memories of 1989. That you can share? Not particularly. Oh, loads. I mean, it was a rough year, but you know, the drugs were pretty good then. <laughs> well, I was 10, so I can actually remember living during 1989. Uh, I actually didn't watch this grand final. I wasn't interested in football as a 10-year-old. Um, but I do remember 1989, and I'll come back to this later, Batman was released in the cinemas, the Michael Keaton Batman movie. That was my That's bi- good. my biggest memory of 1989. Classic. It is. I actually watched it fairly recently, and man, it feels like a TV movie. You compare it to the yeah. to the newer Batman movies. Yeah, they had totally different tone, totally different, yeah. um, you know, approach. But at the time, that was that was an amazing film. So. Unless you guys want to discuss anything in particular, Cameron, you've already synced your boots into the Eagles. Do you wanna do you wanna finish that off, or you you happy with how we left? No, it? I'm good. You good? No. Obviously, great. It wasn't a great season for West Australian football. No, and obviously Fremantle still a number of years from being born. Who won the Waffle Grand Final that year? Any anyone know that? Um, no, I don't. But uh, if it's certainly a segue to follow up on. Oh. <laughs> I think that can be your homework for next week, but I think for now, considering no, Joel just lost every single Geelong and Hawthorne <laughs> fan by talking about West Coast, we should probably move on to the. Uh, you got to weed the out game. the week. 
you're gonna well, weed out the free the free metal supporters as well. They're gone. They're well, gone. No one's gonna even know I'm on this podcast. It's wonderful. Well, this game's been covered by everyone under the sun. I actually listened to a podcast during the week about it. Uh, it's a podcast called The Greatest Season That Was, and they originally started off doing. They were talking about the year 1993. That was what they considered the the greatest season of VFL AFL football. And they haven't really focused on any specific season since then. They've done stuff like Footscray, Fitzroy merger that never went ahead. Uh, they looked at uh, Australia A. Um, they looked at uh, the Cricket World Cup from 1999 that Australia won. Uh, but they did a special episode looking at this grand final, mainly talking with the author of a book about the grand final that has come out fairly recently. So it's been covered by not just those guys, but uh, most of the football industry have touched on the 89 grand final. There's been documentaries. Uh, people often revere it as uh, the greatest grand final uh, ever played. I'm not of that opinion, probably because I didn't really live through it. I think if Geelong had won, it probably would have gone down in history like that for that resurgence that they had. But actually losing, I think, kind of makes a big takes away from it in some respects. Yeah, I think it builds the mystique personally. How a team can be so revered and still be in a losing grand final. I think that it's the reason why you talk about it because it wasn't just two shit teams. It was like the best of the best fighting tooth and nail and it gets ugly. It gets really ugly. Where, all right, which one are we watching and where are we watching it from, Joel? It was Claremont, by the way. 89 grand final. I think that's what we agreed on, Jay. The video, though, where's it come from? Oh, the where? folks listening at home. Yeah, oh. so if they want to watch along. Honestly, have no idea. So um, anyone who's got a DVD copy of it can probably watch along. Uh, we'll <laughs> clue you clue you in where um, <laughs> where, <laughs> where the quarters start and end. So is this where we tell Cameron we're not actually watching the '89 Grand Final, we're watching the 2013? <laughs> well, we could have pranked him if we'd actually planned this a little bit better, but. Maybe. Oh, well. We'll get him. One day we'll <laughs> hey, get him. Hey, don't, don't you boys uh, use your brain too much. I don't want you to, to flip out. Just <laughs> look, get this look game started. All right. Well, all right. Let's, uh, well, let's get I going. I want to see God in action. Let's see uh, God in action, indeed. Um, I think he might even kick the first goal, so he doesn't waste too much time in this one. Uh, how many goals does he end up kicking? Does anyone know? Nine. Yeah, that's... How many times Cameron's already touched himself while we've been waiting? <laughs> That's a lot less. All right. Let's the, goals, just, the goals are a lot less. Let's just get going into it and we can keep dribbling shit as we watch it. So I'll press play on three, two, one. The ultimate prize. Capacity crowd. A grand final. It's good old Dennis. Old Channel 7 logo. I love it. Harry Ablett with his there first 20 seconds. Look at that. I mean, you, you know, might not like up. it, folks. 
That's what that's what human evolution's highest peak looks like. It's balding and it's beautiful. <laughs> Kicks fifty easy though. That's the thing. Like nothing. He just pounds that through. He is on fire. Oh, and somebody's already ran through Dermy. Someone's. It's Yates. Yates has already ran. Yeah, straight this was. Through. Is this when he had the broken ribs or? Yep, broken ribs. Shook his he still spike. plays on. Boom. There he is. Boom. Yates doesn't even look at the ball. He's going for second. Pretty disgusting. Well, I mean, you think now that sort of stuff. It's a different story, but back then that's normal play, so... They didn't show the second hit, though. Look at Dipper, what a specimen. <laughs> Look at that. That's just his moustache. Yeah. That's just... The hair that's, like, just near his neck, people are like, wow, it's a, it's a mullet. It's not. That's just the top of his back hair. I thought that was his ear hair. Nah, but it's a little bit. It gets it. It's, it's a grey area that's like really black. It's modelled up. And jeans, the Hawthorne coach. That might be the definition of shipment. Do you reckon footy is more enjoyable to watch now or back? I mean, when you go from like the the late 80s through to 2000 when you'd see those big scores of anywhere from 140 to like 180. Well, you can pick out your best games and, and make your argument either way, but the truth of the matter is you get good games in all eras and it's a different type of game now, yeah, but when you watch some of these older classics, you just really know, I mean, particularly this one, Cameron touched on it earlier, the uh, lack of defence in, in these games. It's just like, sticks out like a sore thumb. Just aggressive footy. Just bang it forward. I mean, look at this. It's one-on-one, -on -one, you know. Modern footy, you'd have, you know, a third man in there. You'd have someone, you know, getting in front, blocking the space. You, know, you allow a guy like Jason Dunstall a one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to win more than his fair share, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It'd be more congested in the full, in the 50, and that pro something like that would have probably even led to a spillage yeah. because of the amount of bodies that were there or, or a stoppage. And that comes from the increased professionalism. You know, guys are fitter, they can run longer, they can run faster. So they use, they use them to, to clog up that space and... And it's a team defence rather than, you know, relying on these one-on-one -on -one contests and people to beat their man by themselves. This was, I was reading up on this and one journo was saying like Geelong was known as that country town and everyone was still working like before the grand final. They were still doing their normal day job because yeah. that's what they had to do. Yeah, well, you know, all of these guys... Well, pretty much all of them. They're, none of them are full-time footballers, so they've all got other jobs. This is their, you know, this is their weekend gig. This is like us with our podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're on the same league as these guys. Yeah, that's all, exactly what I was trying to say. 
<laughs> Facetiously speak no, for yourself, fellas. This isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> I did one last week with two dickheads. <laughs> Sound like a couple of assholes, don't they? That's, that's funny, because I did one last week as well with two dickheads. Hey, so did I. Yeah, wow. What a clinky So Dunstall and then Brereton with Hawthorne's first two. Ablett at the other end. They're the stars. The star forwards, all with goals. Yeah. Dipper is beast mode. Look at that guy. He is huge. Yeah. yeah. Dipper actually. Dipper actually almost dies in this match, basically. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't he, he doesn't do his knee. No, he yeah, gets he like a punctured lung. He gets like a yeah, punctured lung. And Jeez, they're giving it to Dermot. Yeah, look yeah, at that. I mean, they let a lot get away. Like, a lot of this stuff was allowed for such a long time. Yeah, well, the thing yeah, is... I mean, you can still do it these days if you really want. You're just going to, you know, get rubbed out for the start of the following season. It's not going to cost you too much for the, during the grand final. But um, yeah. I think it was uh, actually our, our old mate, Alistair Lynch, who, uh, when he, he goes a bit nuts so in the 2004 grand final because that was his last game. And uh, I think after that they introduced like a double double penalties, you know, like double demerits, but for footballers. So if you fuck around in a grand final, you, you're going to be out longer the following season. That's where the argument's coming in now. Should should a red card system be introduced for the grand final so that it stops players from getting away with that sort of attitude or those actions? Yeah, well, I think everyone's pretty well behaved in grand finals. I mean, you don't really see... They get ugly, you know. They're competitive, but you know, there's no. They don't go to biff or anything. So I don't think it's ugly in the stands. <laughs> Maybe they should red card the supporters. Uh, well, they already are. I mean, a lot's changed there too. Now you yell abuse at the umpire, yell abuse to players. You called out. That's a big hit. That was were, Gary Hawking. Just straight into the head. I thought you referred to everyone's yeah. red carded. Nobody's going to the football now. Yeah, this whole game's over if there were red cards, man. Yeah, but the thing is, you're comparing a red card system now to footy back then. Yeah. Like, and this is why the rules have changed so much as well. So... Is that Abler that looked like he just almost got knocked out? Yep. Everybody, everybody. Everybody looks like they're just about knocked out. <laughs> This is why you hear people now and they're just like, oh, you snowflakes. Footy's not the same as it used to be. It's like, yeah, you're right, it's not. But you fat fuck can't run fucking 16Ks a game and keep doing training, can you? <laughs> of course, sports science has got better and we've got better ways of going about things. But, like, it doesn't... I think that they were arguably a lot more courageous because of the times. You know, they had to get in there. They yeah. had to put their body on the line. They, they did. I mean, you know, part of it was obviously the, that masculine sort of outtake on life that if you don't do it, then you're just weak as well. Look at those hands from Dunstall, just one grab. 
He just got Weiss. Weiss's for hands. And what a season he had. He got the Coleman and scored 138 goals this season. 138. Yeah, that's quite a bit. He scores 145 in 92. Yeah. And yep. there were, I think it was one game where he kicked 17 goals against Richmond. Fuck. It's unfathomable, right? And I remember the Brownlow medal count from that year. He was in with a big chance late in the count. And so it was uh, the eventual winner, Scott Wind, was leading. And then they had they counted the last round. They left the Hawthorne match until the very last to count it. And they read them out, you know, one vote, blah, blah, two votes, blah, blah. And then three votes. And then the, the dude right, reading it out just went, J big pause and everyone thinks oh it's going to be Dunstall and then he said Taylor <laughs> and Dunstall was like shaking his head he knew he didn't get the three votes but it was a bit disappointing because I like Jason Dunstall as a player he was one of my favourites despite playing for Hawthorne uh, I actually uh, got to meet him in 96 when I went to went on a holiday to to Melbourne I went to Hawthorne training to get autographs from my cousin who was also a Hawthorne supporter and quite a few of the uh, Hawthorne players kind of just it was a really cold day as well quite quite a few quite a few of the Hawthorne supporters just walked straight off the field and didn't sign autographs but Jason Dunstall in the middle of the fucking ground it was just fog you had to go out there to actually see him it was surrounded by about two dozen fans and just signing everyone's autograph and he was the only one standing there signing autographs everyone else had, you know either come in and maybe signed a few or didn't sign any and he was he stood out there in that fucking freezing cold ground and it's fucking cold in melbourne in winter fucking yeah. cold but i mean you know that that's back then it was probably less players were doing it but now you think players it's kind of like you have to do it mm. and they should be doing it as well because people rock up they pay their money they pay their club fees and that's the whole reason they're in the sport so yeah um that question so though when cold. you were over so cold. well when you were over there was hawthorne still considered like for recruiting wise still considered like the like the rich person's club you know, like the private private school club for when they were recruiting and that, or well, that was kind of mid nineties, and the draft had, had really come into effect by then. So, I mean, the draft only started in eighty eight, I think. So before then, you know, clubs were recruiting from zones and shit like that. But uh, I think by then, it was pretty much you know most teams had a good mix of all types. So, probably say no. Yeah, okay. I was just reading, and that's what some were saying was like the big difference between obviously mm. Geelong and Hawthorne was Hawthorne was considered like that private yeah school, you know, that rich rich club area. Yeah, I think to I think in '89 definitely uh, Geelong. Obviously, a lot of these a lot of these guys are country guys. You know, Billy Brownless, mm -hmm. uh, Ablett. Ablett actually played for Hawthorne. Uh, initially, one year. 
But um, I bet yeah. he was wishing he stayed with them now. Oh, I think he. I think he just preferred the lifestyle, of the, you know, the laid-back country lifestyle. He didn't. He'd probably be quite happy playing in, you know, well, you know, country league rather than the that attempt. This is how cold it was in Melbourne. My mum uh, said, you know, you'll need gloves when we go over there. And I'm like, I don't need bloody gloves. What are you talking about? So we got there. It was so cold. As soon as we, like, get off the plane, about 10 minutes after we're off and we're outside, I'm like, Mum, can we go buy some gloves? And I'm guessing that was in January. It was just one of those days when it went from 40 <laughs> degrees to negative 20. Nah, nah it was mi middle of the year. Shanked it. Uh, I did see the Eagles play Richmond uh, at the MCG and we won. So it was a good trip. I also saw Fremantle lose at the Western Oval against the Bulldogs. So it made your trip better. <laughs> yeah, but that was before they became really annoying. It was like their second year. By, by annoying, you mean when they actually started to get good, or...? Uh, I think they started to get, get, get annoying. No, I think around 97, 98, when they were whinging, all they wanted to do was beat the Eagles. And then they finally did it in 99, then they... Like, yeah, suck it, mother buggers. Well, here's a complete off question. Hey, Cameron, 2006, I think it was, was the chance that Frio had to make it to the grand final and play against West Coast, but they lost to Sydney in the prelim, I think. Do you think if that year, it was 05 06, if West Coast were to play Fremantle, do you think West Coast would have beaten them that year or Frio? Because I think Frio had won the Derbies, did they? Yeah, 06. I think Cameron's gone to, to take a piss. No, no, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> trying to think. No, I'm here. I'm just trying to think of anything notable. Say again. He was on mute because he saw Ablett and the lube was next to him. Fremantle hadn't lost, hadn't lost to Sydney. Yeah, because that would have been a Derby Grand Final, if I recall correctly. I think it was 06 when yep. it was. Yeah, it was. So, but what was the question? Sorry, I was do you, that up. Do you think? Because obviously, 2015 had um, Hawthorne not beaten Fremantle in 2015, and Fremantle played against West Coast. I still would have had my money on Fremantle to win that grand final because they were the better team that year. But 2006, do you think Fremantle could have beaten West Coast in the grand final? Obviously, all hypothetical, but um, I mean. Probably. The Eagles were minor premiers, though, so they kind of had a pretty tight stranglehold on the season. Um, but, yeah, Fremantle didn't have a bad year at all. Um, won both derbies? Yeah. And the preseason against the Eagles as well, and it looked it absolutely belted the Eagles. Look, it, it's just be hypothetical. I mean, I, I'm more pragmatic than that. I'd like... I'd like to see, I'd like to be able to, to have seen that, but, so I don't really know how to answer just that. Just because, I don't think they would have in 2006, just because I think West Coast were too hungry from the year before, but, like, when you look at the two different teams for Freo from 06 to 2015, I think 2015 was still the better team, even with the injuries they had. Mm. Yeah, it's just speculative, though. Like, Those haircuts. I, I love it. Um, yeah. My hair's almost at that length. 
I think everybody wants <laughs> wanted that Derby Grand Final uh, that year. Like even if it didn't matter if you you liked it or not, um, you vote, you went for the Eagles or you went for the Dockers. I think that everybody wanted it just because it would be a completely unique situation. It would have really put a middle finger up for the whole VFL. Yeah, situation. it would have. And it would I don't be know. But I still. You know what? I'm happy that um, Sydney and a, a, a New South Wales and a WA team played in the grand final because it's still a big middle finger to the um, to the VFL system. So yeah, love it. And we're watching the '89 VFL game as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the last yeah, uh, <laughs> the last VFL grand final. Yeah. The AFL yeah. in 1990. Mm-hmm. Wow, they just re- they just moved the letter, didn't they? Really? Yeah, it's all subterfuge. Uh, Mark Malcolm Blight looked like he just stepped off the set of um, <laughs> Magnum PI. <laughs> well, you know, pretty sure he did. Straight off the set, straight to the coaching box. It's just that '80s look, you know, the sunnies. Pick, so, put the collar up. Did you have this sort of look? Was this what you aspired to, Joel, as a ten-year-old, or? I, think I probably did, yeah. Um, I actually, remember I wanted to have. Remember Ray from Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd. Yep. I wanted to have his hair for some reason, and like I remember, wanted either his hair or Brutus the Barber Beefcake, the wrestler. Oh, oh man, wasn't that a mullet? Wasn't that kind of like a um, short back and sides? Yeah. Uh, well, short sides, but mullet, like a crew cut with a mullet. Yeah, but you know what the scary thing is? I now have their hair. <laughs> they had middle-aged man hair. Lack thereof. <laughs> oh, okay. You're now a middle-aged man with that hair, so you got what you wanted. It just came a bit later than you thought. Yeah, I just wanted it when I was 10. <laughs> Whoa, that's a good mark. Oh, that... Billy Brownless actually takes a, a massive hanger in the 94 grand final. He kicks four goals in uh, the 94 one. He's pretty much Geelong's... Oh, I think Michael Mansfield as well. Was, those two were their, their best players on the day. God, what a dark as well. went on a massive drought, didn't they, until 2007? Yeah, so their last premiership, so we're watching 89, their last premiership before that was, well they didn't win in 89, but last premiership 1963, and I'm wondering, I think that might have actually been against Hawthorne. It's going back a while, because um, obviously that, then they lost. Then they lost a, like three, three more after this through the 90s, two against the Eagles, yeah. one against Carlton. Yeah, 90, 92, 94, 95. Yep. Yeah, that would be hard. And they don't feature Oof. again to lose seven. Which, let's be honest, anyone was beating Port Adelaide that year. I don't think it mattered who it was. Fucking <laughs> under sevens could have played better. Yeah, well, we'll try and avoid that year's grand final. Maybe look at the uh, Geelong Collingwood prelim final. That's a cracker. We could just watch the uh, the last quarter of the 2007, and that sums it all up in about you know, 15 minutes. So, well, 
the next one you guys get me back for, I'd prefer if it was the Demolition Derby. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, That's such a good match to watch though. Come on. You know it. The biff is unreal. The bad blood. I think I've only what seen the first the, half uh, of that match. Dude, we should we should watch it. If I that's think we gonna... should. We'll have to we have to get a copy gonna... of it. Do you have a copy of it, Cameron? Yeah. I'll find a way, even if I have to buy it from the docking <laughs> store. <laughs> I don't think they're shipping right now. Yeah. I'll get them to cough. Like I'll write on this thing. Please don't cough on this. I think we nah. should watch the um the kick after the siren by Ballantyne. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a double. Other, so, if you want to see have a marathon. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to see Geelong lose ag um, again, then we can always do the prelim as well, where Mundy seals the deal. Yeah. That's actually a good game. Yeah, we could we could watch uh, Mundy's highlight reel of how many teams has he sunk after the siren. Yeah, <laughs> it's a few. It's a few. Sonny, say your hail hey, Mundy's. Say your hail Mondays and thank Pav that you're here. Yeah, no. I'll back Mundy. I like Mundy. Respect Pav. Okay. Without the a set shot in front of goal, without the siren in the factor, I'd still prefer Pav to take the shot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in that sense, but, you know, Mundy's just that clutch. workhorse, you know. He's a clutch player, man. And then Sonny took that crown recently. But I digress. Um, I have a question for you, Joel. Yeah. Um, players from other teams that you like mm -hmm. in this era, who would be your favourite player for... I mean, you talked about Dunstall, so that yeah. doesn't really count. But what about... I mean, if we get rid of Dunstall and Ablett... Yeah. ...from... Equation from either team. Well, Abla's, Who would no, Abla's not my favourite. No, no. Player. I'm just saying. Well, yeah. if I were to take away um, Ablett from mine, yeah. and you take away Dunstall, who would the two one player from each team would be your favourite? From these two teams. Yeah, from this team here. Ooh, there's so many douchebags. Um, maybe uh, Gary. I'll go with Gary Bacanara for Hawthorne because he's a WA boy. And I'll go with Mark Bairstow for Geelong because he's a WA boy. There you go. That's really shitty, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you get more well, than just because they're born here. <laughs> I didn't mind John Platten. He's a South Australian, so he was like, What's actually, uh, actually, I do like Chris Langford, uh, the fullback for Hawthorne. I always, always liked him. Good. So about you, Jay? What would you well, have? I was going to say, Cameron, what's your take on Tuck? Like, we were talking about him before we started. You know, you love your man Ablett, but Tuck was uh, a bit of a yeah. bad omen for him. Oh, a bit of it, but Tuck's a lot of respect for Tuck in, in terms of uh, having the most AFL games up until Boomer Harvey took it from him, but Boomer Harvey is an absolute legend and deserves everything he got. Now that redhead there for Geelong, Neville Bruns, he's the dude who uh, Lee Matthews King hit and got deregistered for assault. Oh. Lee Matthews? Lee Matthews, yeah. So you can look so that up. Lee Matthews left AFL because no, he, he got delisted. No, he got deregistered. What, what does yes. that mean? He's gone. No. He's stood down. 
Yeah, he wasn't allowed to pa play for a period, but he actually got, you know, charged with assault, I think. <laughs> he just came he just came from behind and just whacked the poor guy. Oh. oh my god. Dipper just caught yeah. one straight in the ribs. Yeah. I think that's the start that was the of punctured Dipper's, lug. Start of Dipper's problems for the day. Uh, here's Condon. I always, always like Anthony Condon because his surname sounds is almost condom. This is yeah. like the more you watch through footy, and like, and I've spoken to Joel about this, and this is a big thing. So bring this up with you, Cameron. There's with footy because holding the ball doesn't get called as often as it should. There's a lot of shoulder charges that go on with the way people approach, and even in today's footy, that's probably the most common way of taking someone as a shoulder charge. Keeping in mind that's banned in rugby, it's banned in NFL, it's banned in American football. Do you think it should be banned in this and they should just call holding the ball? Are you talking about like a hip and shoulder? Or are you talking well, about like front-on contact? It's front-on, so it's a shoulder charge. So they're leading with the shoulder as they're basically confronting the player. So the player's running through and then they just meet them with the shoulder, but it's never hip and shoulder, so it's why they're charging through with the shoulder first. It's you know, I mean, it, it is dangerous. You hit high, high contact quite often with it, but they deem it to be acceptable for now. And they just say, oh, it's a big hit. Like that, that was going through his shoulder charge as well. So so the ball, carry, the ball carrier with the um, shoulder charge? Either. You can be defensive with it too, because you can take, take the person with the ball on if they're running into you and they don't see you, and you meet them just basically bearing the brunt with the shoulder. So it's like a hip and shoulder, but... You're not going for the hip and shoulder. You're going. You're just stopping them with your shoulder, charging through yeah. them. I think it's kind of irresponsible for the ball carrier to do so, and I know that you get pinged in modern times very easily for it. There was a time that it became paramount to protect the ball carrier's head after the amount of concussions and hits and stuff. But then they can't. But I think a lot of uh, players oh, are taking advantage of that. Strong mark. Yeah, I mean, it, it still happens now. Franklin is notorious for it. If you watch him when he goes to get the ball, he'll charge through everyone with his shoulder, and there's no regard for the other person's safety. This is strong. Effortless. Yes. I'd hardly can call that a contested mark. Well, yeah, the defender, again, that was Geelong's defence, wasn't it? Yeah. The defence was just there to pass the ball defense. to the goal kickers. Yeah, this is why Geelong got in the shit. Because Hawthorne got eight goals already in the first quarter. Yep. It's 40 points. So yeah, basically, enough. Let's see Eagles only let it get out to 30, Jay. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't talk about the years prior to 1991, in my opinion, but... No, I'm talking about the 2018 one. In terms of oh, the 2018. Back. Oh, God. Like, on, you can't compare the two, but you think, even like, I've got the scores here. Like, how close they bring this? Like, that's impressive, even then. I mean, really, Hawthorne deserved to win it by having such a blowout, but... Well, the, the thing is, I mean, I don't want to don't want to blow our load too early, but the Cats get close, and it's only in the last quarter where they pull it back. And really, Hawthorne are just... They're running out of players who are still alive. You know, they've got Dipper, who's dead. Brereton, who's dead. 
think, uh, think John Platten's dead. You move quick without one shooter, you should know this. Yeah, so Hawthorne were down to what, like, you know, 15 or 14 on the field. Yeah, they're basically just holding on until the siren goes. So, and that's the, that's the thing about this grand final is as spectacular as the goals are, as brutal as the play is, it's never close until it, you know, gets whittled away in the last quarter and Geelong run out of time. Yeah. So, I wonder if Hawthorne was still free kick Hawthorne back then as well. <laughs> Wait, that mullet is intense. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, Gary has definitely knew how to grow it. Knew how to grow those mullet. One thing, I'm pretty sure... Sorry, I was just going to quickly say, I'm pretty sure the shorts are longer now, which I like. Not as short, short. <laughs> Then, like, as they are now, watch we're watching. Yeah, well, I think they hoik him up a little bit as well. Nobody's really yeah, Warwick Kappa levels. Oh, god, no. But this is still the age of the tucked in, yeah, tucked, tucked in, in jumper, uh, Guernsey. Yeah, on the uh, AFL Evolution game, you can actually modify players to have tucked or untucked. Oh, cool. Oh, what a mark. Big dive. That was an incredible... He was basically horizontal. Look at that. Yeah, he was. It was out of bounds. Yeah, he was. He still he was went. That's commitment. Gary Bacanara, who was... Famous WA state player obviously made his name at Hawthorne but um, during this era where state of origin was played every year he'd, he'd come back and play for WA and beat up on the Victorians it's a hard game being a Geelong supporter. Like, especially to watch how close it does come. I often wonder, I always got the impression that Geelong supporters sort of held this one, as you know, before they broke through with 07 and all that. They held this one as their, you know, well, we were in the greatest grand final ever played. So that was like their their version of, you know, premiership bragging. It was just, they were part of the, the best grand final. We are in the best grand final, but, There's you know, quarter time. the team. It's the football yeah, the 89 grand final. 44 points or something like that for 40 points for, you know, three quarters of the fucking game. <laughs> there we go, start the second graphics. quarter. Yeah, that was state of the art. That was hilarious. Yeah. What's, the, uh, what's the logo, the Melbourne... I think that might 90, be... Like, I think it was. I think that might be like an Olympic... Like promotional... Uh, I think it's... Olympic I think it's... Uh, 
for an Olympic bid or something. Games. No, it must be Commonwealth Games, I reckon. Because Sydney 2000, mm. which means that um, yeah, Sydney, yeah, it Sydney were 2000. But um, yeah, yeah, 92 would have been the. Yeah, the Olympics. That was the Barcelona Olympics. Jeez, yeah. big advertising for the Mitsubishi Lancer there. Oh, God. <laughs> now, whatever happened to Mitsubishi? Do they still make cars? Yeah, but they don't make very good cars. That's why no one cares about them anymore. The they drop. All the Foster's logos. Has anyone ever drunk a Foster's? Oh, no. No. Nope. Melbourne 96. There you go. Olympics. Oh, yeah. so, so that this was their, that was their uh, Olympic bid promotion, I think. Yep. Uh, 96 ended up being Atlanta, I think. Yeah, the Atlanta Olympics. Um, that's, that's brutal that they're advertising... The 96 Olympics. Yeah, but I think they were just campaigning for it at the time. Well, they had to get it, obviously, what was it five years before or something like that, so you can set up and spend all the money. Oh, yeah. I think it's more than that, because Sydney... It's uh, like I think Sydney, Sydney got the 2000 Olympics. That was announced in 93, from memory. Mm. Yeah, it's usually two Olympics before. That they, yeah. that they start announcing groups of Olympic people, I think. It's usually uh, two. That's crazy. It's actually a pretty tight angle, even though it's like right in front of goal. I see four and 20 pies. Uh, it's like a famous Victorian uh, pie. We never had that in WA for such a long time. I mean, obviously you go to the supermarket now and that's all you can get is 4 and 20 shit. No, Mrs. Max. Only way, mate. I remember in the go. 90s. My, um, what's, my the, uh, went over. what's the slogan for Mrs. Uh, Max? If it ain't a Mrs. Max. Take it back. Now it's if it's not a Mrs. Max. Yeah, but it used to be if it ain't a Mrs. Max. No, for, uh, for Jay, it's if it's not a... If it's not a Jeremy Max, take it back. But that was bad. That one didn't work. Yeah, that was. So, what are you that talking about? You probably got his fucking picture on the back <laughs> of your toilet door when you hide from your wife. No, my son's got a poster of the governor on his wall, though. That worries me even more. <laughs> so who's that? And kick the goal, Stoneham. Barry Stoner. I don't know, but he didn't look like he was 21, that was yeah. for sure. He played, he played like in he the 92. Uh, Glenn Jakovic played on him, but he didn't play in 94. I think he was out with a long-term injury. In 95, he probably played, I can't remember. Do you reckon Geelong should play... If they, if they get the home final, do you think it should be played at the Cattery and not at the G, just because of numbers? Do you honestly think it should just be played at their local ground, even though it can only hold, what, 30, 35,000 or something? Whoa. That was a mark. 
Yeah, I think it should. I mean, the thing I hate about Geelong is when they clog up the top four and give away home finals to teams like Richmond or Collingwood who play at the MCG, you know, 50 times a year already. And that's, look at that, effortless. Yeah. Well, I think Cameron must have gone Cameron, to the toilet. Cameron's gone uh, silent. I'm here. I'm here. My hands are full. Hey, look, there's a Batman cap in the, <laughs> in the crowd. Um, uh, I mean, they, their, their home ground is Cardinia Park or whatever it's called now. The GM, HB, Q, B, Y, T, L, B, V, Z, Z, J. GM, HB, I think there's some numbers in there as well now. Yeah. So, just play it there. Who gives a shit? Otherwise, otherwise, they might as well just play every fucking final at the MCG. And then if you do that, why not just play every bloody game at the MCG? Which they'll probably end up doing with this whole situation where they want to set up these hubs and have teams playing. They'll go, well, it's got to be at the MCG, even though there'll be no fans. Well, I mean, this is the other argument that's come in. Like, obviously, with the MCG having X amount of grand finals to be played there, but when you look at other sports, if you're playing those sort of elimination finals, whichever team was sitting on the higher high ranking is the one that they play at their home ground for the grand final. So, I mean, you get people arguing, you know, that the uh, you know, finals need to be at neutral venues. That's the traditional... VFL way. It's not the VFL anymore, motherfuckers. It's, uh, there are teams in other states who exist. They do exist, that's right. But yeah. Free home finals is kind of Jeez. bullshit. Did Geelong even have a defence in this game, or what? No. The last time, no. Look at that, that's Stephen Hawking, who's the lesser of the Hawking brothers, and now an AFL administrator. Uh, playing, and he's not a he's not a key defender, and he's playing on Dermot Brereton. Well, obviously his face put him off then. And then you got Tim Darcy playing at fullback, and everyone, everyone knows the famous Jeez. name of Tim Darcy, don't you? Yeah. Sure. This is Tim Darcy <laughs> kicking out now. Yep. Good old Tim Darcy. <laughs> Famous Tim Darcy. They go with him again in 92. He plays on Sumich. Sumich kicks six goals. And 94, though, they upgrade to... Who do they upgrade to, Cameron? Why the fuck would I know? Because it's someone who goes on to play with Fremantle. They upgrade from Geelong to Fremantle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fucking no. Stephen O'Reilly. Uh, oh, Stephen O'Reilly, a WA boy. Yeah, he was fullback for Geelong in '94. Yeah. Okay. He ended up. Um, his son now is a rookie at Fremantle. Yeah. Yeah. He, I don't was, know. he uh, was the whistleblower on Carlton's salary cap breaches in the early 2000s as well. 
I hope that's public. You don't want to fucking throw yeah, it under is. the bus. It is. It is. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, because John like, knows. No. Yeah. Because he, cause he ended up, he ended up going to Carlton and getting you know dodgy payments, and then he just goes, "Well, this ain't right." So that's why they got all those draft pick sanctions because he blew the whistle. Good. After he, you know, he got his fridge and his car and his <laughs> fucking dishwasher, and he was like, "Hmm, probably shouldn't be getting this stuff, should I?" Ooh, Hawthorne's all over him. Well, this is just the Hawthorne side, you know, they're just... Oh, beautiful holding the ball. That. that should have been oh, holding the you've ball. Got, you've got yeah. your star full forward oh. in, in Dunstall, pulling tackles like that. He's hungry. I think holding the ball should get called more, though, in modern-day footy. I don't think it gets called enough. They give... Too many opportunities, and most players have prior. You know, I know Joel and I have touched on it, and I don't know how you feel, Cameron, but when they do the little, where they lock in, lock the ball in against their chest, and then they use the other hand to hit their arm, but they're never actually touching the ball to try and make it look like they're getting rid of it. Look, I'm, I don't have too much to say about it back then, but I know that it's probably relevant. The AFLW. They, um, this season, they implemented it pretty much any time there's a tackle and the ball spills out, it was automatically called holding the ball. And they paid that viciously throughout the AFLW season of 20, um, 2020. And it was great football. Every tackle re resulted in a turnover. It was yeah. And uh, so I hope that answers your question to some degree. But I do, yeah, I believe that oh. if, if the ball spills out, or if it's being held up, or you you drag it in, then it should be holding the ball. I think, yeah, the dragging it in's a hard one because you see the player on top sometimes drags it in, and then the player on the bottom will drag it in, but make it look like they didn't, and to try and get away with not holding the ball. And well, that's the thing about our game, Jay, is that a lot of the interpretation comes down to the discretion of the umpire. Yeah. And it's not, sometimes it's not clean cut and there's so much grey that we rely on the umpire to be the arbitrator of what is yeah. and what isn't. And sometimes they can't see everything. They might be in on, on an angle where a defender has pulled it in and caused a, um, an offensive player to get, you know, the, the free kick against them. And just because of an angle. And that's and why we all hate umpires. It's not yeah, their fault. that's why everybody hates umpires. Because they're always going to miss something. And if you listen to the games, if you, if you, when you're at a game, you listen to the game. Yeah. Most people aren't talking about how good their team is. They're talking about how shit the umpire is. Doesn't yeah. matter where it is. Just, just to touch on, Ablett's at three goals at the moment of his, uh, what was the total again, Cameron? Nine. So, he's, he's gonna third of the way. Third. He's going to have a big third. He's going to have a big third. Cameron's about a third of the way now too, so... Dude, I've been sitting on half chubs. I'm just looking to go all the way. Before this grand final, do you, either of you know who held the record for most goals in a grand final? Oh, whoa, wait, this goal. Now that's a goal. No. Look at that. No, I couldn't tell you. That's impressive and uh, absolutely no idea. It wasn't Plaga. Oh, well, it certainly wasn't Plaga. 
But how good was Plugger's season? There's a little digression there. Played se played yeah. um, 11 games this season and scored uh, 78 goals from 11 games. Yeah, that was Plugger. He'd, he'd often, look at that, just jump over the pack, grab it, Take and throw it on the boot. Yeah, but, um, Tony yeah, Lockett used to just kick fucking double-figure goals almost weekly. I think 1991... Yeah, and he shit-mix people. I think 1991 he misses like the first half of the season or something like that and then just goes on a bender of goals for the remainder of the season to win the Coleman medal. He was just not surprised. He was literally a moving fucking wall. <laughs> yeah, big like boy. You couldn't... Uh, defenders, you, I just remember watching him and it was like defenders tried and you couldn't... If he was there, you knew he was normally take on the mark. Like, so... Yeah, pretty much. You're just going to rely on your teammates not to let the ball get down there. Yeah. So and the, so if the, he was... Go. Ooh, I was going to say, if he was kicking from anything more than 65 metres, you might have questioned it, but from 65, he was pretty accurate. So the uh, the previous goals record in the grand final was eight, and it was actually kicked by someone playing in this match. Jason Dunstall? Nope. Who's there, there's a oh, that was Bob, Bob Walk, Prime Minister of Bob Australia in '89. He was. Yep. Yeah, um, this one's for you, old mate. <laughs> lifting my charging my glass for this fine gentleman. God. No. That was holding the man. I don't think it was really... Um, that's definitely holding the man. <laughs> who would it be? Who would, who would it be? Let me look at the team. <laughs> I'm not going to look at the person. Was it Platt, though? Was it who? No, wait. It would have to be somebody who actually plays grand finals. Just, which, which team were they <laughs> on? I was going to say Platten. Use some deductive reasoning. If Geelong hadn't been in a grand final since '63, you know it's not one of their players. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was just like, I don't know. It needs to be in a team that plays grand finals. Yeah. So it's going to be a Hawthorne player. But I'm just can't see who I'm thinking. Maybe no, not Tuck. Um, I'll just throw Gus in there and go with Whitman. Bag on his head. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, uh, I've already said it, so I'm going to just right. say it again. I reckon John Platten. John Platten, really? You think yeah. John Platten kicks eight goals in the grand final? Maybe if he was on methamphetamine, I don't <laughs> fucking know. <laughs> I mean, I f you guys are going to slap yourselves when you when you realise who it is. Dermy. It's Dermy. Oh, there you go. Fucking hell. In '85. In a losing effort, much like Ablett in this one, but uh, the Hawks got creamed by the Bombers. And Burton kicked eight Mate. goals. Gary walks away with the highest record number of goals and yeah. a little something to sweeten the loss. <laughs> and the Norm Smith medal. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks for that. I mean, <laughs> would it sweeten the loss though? Would it just make you hate the rest of your team more for not playing as? to the same effort as you were. 
Uh, I guess, but I mean, yeah, you're probably right because I was going to say Gaza didn't really score in the first half. I mean, he scored one, two. Well, well they used to give out so, um, runner-up medals to the losing team, and I think they did it in the 70s, and players would just, you know, take them off and throw them on the ground. Um, and I think they brought it back in the early 2000s uh, when Collingwood lost the grand final. It might have been 03. I think Nathan Buckley they felt bad from. I think Nathan Buckley was famously famous for uh, throwing it in the bin or something like that. Didn't Buckley win um, a Norm Smith for a yeah, losing side as well? He's, yeah. he's one yeah. of the three players that did. Yeah, no two. And who's uh, I the think, third um, one? I think four players have actually done it. Wasn't that Judd in 05? Yeah, and there's also uh, Judd, Morris uh, Rioli. Did what in '82? You might have Ooh. to verify that one. I'm pretty sure. That's actually something to touch on. This was the only game since I think '95 that neither team features featured any Indigenous or Islander players wow. in the grand final. Yeah, and I think the that Indigenous. Um, I think that, Yeah, I think that goes to the. Uh, as you were talking about earlier, Jay, with the types of players that team had back then, Paul Thorne yeah, with their, but the way this they were, was their zone recruiting and Geelong with their, their country area, so... But this was still, like, you still had the introduction of, like, Morris Rioli, the Cracker Brothers, and a few yeah. of the others. Like, there were still big names, they yeah. just didn't, you know, kind of, I guess, exposed the, the time as well, and, I yeah. mean, that wasn't that long ago, but... Yeah, well, there, there was a, a much smaller percentage of players who were indigenous back uh, back in these days. Uh, so well, that, yeah, I guess to, also acknowledged if, if their clubs, games. Clubs, you know, rarely had more than maybe one or two playing for them. Uh, whereas you, I mean, even today, you know, a team has, I think. Uh, the only example I can really think of at the top of my head, the Eagles having, I think it was five, playing for them in one in one game. Is that right, Jack? Yep. And that was, yeah, it was that, five. Cause and, that, and that was the most they've had play together in a team. So five out of 22, that's less than a quarter yeah. of the team. Because they, they brought in my main guy, Archie. Got to give him some support. I don't know how many fans he's got out there, but, you know. But going back to the medals, so you said they were given the losing medal. Do you think that the AFL should do what they do with the American football and that's everyone who's competed in the season and the team wins, they all receive? No. Or do you think it should just be the 22? Oh, that was a, that was a bit, bit of a light tap on the forehead. I think people raise this every year, when, uh, particularly when you know someone who just missed out on being picked for a grand final side misses out. Um, I don't think so. I don't think players would want it. They, if they don't play in the in the grand final, they then it wouldn't mean as much, you know. So I think overall, as a club, they get usually clubs usually give. It, everyone on the list you know something to remember that season by uh, but 
the AFL officially doing it and calling up every single player. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, and it's an interesting one, but that's pretty solid 60 metre kick, isn't it? I mean, the only way you could really argue for it is if we just change the way we uh, approach games and just, you know, I guess like the NFL does and you pretty much play everyone who's fit. You know, you can bring on whoever you want, so you can play your whole squad in a game, which I don't think we'll ever really do. I changed into, you know, the interchange rules again and just get too confusing at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, unless you dramatically reduce the lists, it's not going not gonna to really be something that they'll consider bringing in. So John Kennedy, I think he's father who's also named John Kennedy was a Hawthorne Premiership coach and Josh Kennedy for Sydney is his son I want to say and they're definitely related they're definitely related because of course Josh Kennedy I'm talking about the Sydney version not the Eagles version yeah. Um, started with Hawthorne and was traded to Sydney. It's done well for him too. Yeah. I think we've lost Cameron again. No, I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just taking it all in. He's taking it all in, Cameron. Loving this. Okay. He's That's just it. looking at his poster of Ablett Senior and then looking at the game and crying a little bit for him. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how talented those those ablets are. Sometimes when I lose my way, I think about Gary Ablett and his oh. his hair that was clinging to his face, sweaty, grimy, disgusting. Out of the two, how do you play such good football? Well, I mean, comparing the two, who do you think, you know, out of senior and junior, who do you think was? The better footy player keep. I mean, obviously, Ablett Junior still got a little bit of life left in his legs. Another season, maybe a two. Yeah, but. I don't know. I don't. It's hard. It's like you're comparing fruit. You more. You. You not only are you comparing fruit. You're also comparing types of citrus fruit here, but yeah. slightly different types here. Like um. I don't know, you got the full forward, half forward kind of stylings of senior, and then you got the midfield um, run and and uh, half forward carry to of Gary. Yeah, um, they're junior, very different. But De very different players. Still freakish Both in their freakish, own ability. Yes. And oh, and trivia, Gary Peter Carey. Peter Carey, he's hmm. the same um, umpire that took the infamous mark <laughs> during the Dockers game. Of course. We all remember yep. that. <laughs> I was at that game. Were you? Yep. My dad turned to me and he said, I go, what's happening? And he's listening to the radio. He goes, he took a mark. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean he took a mark? He said, the umpire took a mark. I still don't know why he did it. I think yeah, it was just reaction, kind of wasn't it? For it. Yeah. He jumped, he kind of moves his line and jumps like 
towards it and at it. It was weird. He could have left it, but I don't know. But yeah, um, I think it was just one of those things where the ball's coming your way, you're trying to get it out of the way, and you misjudge it, and, it, and then he's got no option yeah. other than to just let it, either let it bounce off him or just automatically automatic reflexes to catch it. That's yeah. it, and I think I think that yeah, he did a good job, good chess mark. Wish he was playing for us. That was done. <laughs> um, we could have used a, a good marking. Uh, we could have used the umpires on our side as well. But to answer your question about um, Gary Ablett, senior and, and junior, um, I think you were talking, Joel, about how they're completely, how they're very similar, but in freakish talent, but very different players. Yeah. And their roles. Well, Ablett senior, he's he's the freakiest freak, really. He's the things he would do. It's kind of like oh, for Christ's sake. Comes through a pack, grabs it like, on the boot. It's kind of like the Larry Bird of uh, the AFL. Where you can just do freakish things. He's got the you know the porn mustache, and then you've got uh, his his son Gary Junior. He does freakish things, but it's not this uh, just unbelievably out of nowhere sort of shit you can see it coming if that makes sense it's, it seems a lot more deliberate whereas Ablett just seems to just be able to throw it onto his boot any angle and it goes through I'm talking about Ablett senior yeah whereas Gary Ablett that's a weird thing Gary Ablett you can see him setting him himself he's a he's gonna kick this freakish goal um, yeah you can read him but you can't stop him though no you but, can't well yeah. would slap it on the boot yeah. and unpredictably kick a goal that in some respects may may come down to skill maybe just a miracle it is like you said time after time junior kind of you can see him darting and and weaving and creating. then putting creating and putting the weight on the right leg before he does something yeah. like a, a snap goal behind him from the pocket kind yeah. of thing I guess so, the, probably the yeah. best way to distinguish him is Ablett Jr. is the more uh, professional of the two in that his, mm. his, his skills come from pure effort and Ablett Sr. Uh, obviously not as professional in terms of the way he approached football. He could just make the football talk, you know, and mm-hmm. that's just an, a born skill that he just... Had. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, like, um, Gary Ablett Sr. seemed to be uh, just, yeah, just be able to do freaky things. Well, you're right, um, Junior kind of was more clinical and more um, and cleaner in a lot of the way he went about it. And it and it just a great athlete, like, great basketballer. Um, he played a bit of basketball and he played a bit of football as a kid, but like obviously bedded into the family legacy. But the the awards they won is basically a showcase of how like where their their skill areas were. You know, of course the 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 dual brown loads for junior, which requires skill and um, a lot more of that um that clinical cleaning uh, yeah finesse mm. skill while. Um, a big bag can be kicked out of nowhere selfishly in some respects 
um, by a miracle worker. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When uh, I know it doesn't ring true if we talk about Ablett Jr. playing for the Gold Coast, but if he had a big game for Geelong, you'd expect Geelong to be winning, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Ablett Senior, he can have big games for Geelong, and Geelong still lose. Mm. And they did it quite often. I mean, one of the things I looked at coming into preparing for this was uh, Ablett Senior's 1993 season. And that was the year that he got permanently shifted to full forward. Mm. And there was one game yeah. against Essendon earlier in the season. I, like, I mean, the first game uh, Ablett played that year was against Collingwood, and he kicked 10 goals. All right, Geelong lost the match. But against Essendon, Gary Ablett kicked 14 goals in one game, and they still lost. And I know Paul Salmon kicked 10 for Essendon in that same game, but when you have a full forward kicking 14 goals, you win that fucking match, right? Yeah, unless you're, you're paying and putting so much effort and skill into... Um, the forward line and just letting your defence turn to shit, mm. which kind of <laughs> sounds like a revolving door of garbage in the back line for for those Geelong teams. Yeah, What's the I thing? mean that's that's a bit harsh considering well, this super defensive era. Yeah, so. they never really developed a strong back six that works together. I mean they had a few. Uh, sort of footballers, footballers. Uh, they had a few uh, attacking... I think there's a guy like Bruce Linder who plays in this match who's an attacking half-back. Um, there he is there, actually. And they never, you know... As you guys, you guys had no idea who the Geelong fullback was. We have no idea who the centre-half-back is. Who's playing on fucking Brereton? It's funny... Stephen Hawking, who's, you know, he's a flanker. It's not key position. And they never really address it over the years. I mean, I guess when you look at it now, you think when defenders playing a certain position, they try and have them. I know, like, for West Coast, for example, you've got Schofield and Barrasso, your two shutdown defenders, and they're the two that you're normally going with to be on that key forward. It's... You know, and that's what they focused on. And I mean, in this era, you need you need to have good defence because look, it's one out. Dunstall just does what he wants. Can't stop him. Yeah, but look at how high that kick was. He could have kicked that from sixty. Oh yeah. shit! He just needs to. He just needs to be accurate with it, I guess. Well, I don't think it was as so much as like throwing it on the boot, but it does look like, I mean, from my memories of like the early 90s and that, they were going for big kicks all the time rather than just trying to kick the goal. It was always about just trying to get that power behind the kick to drive it through. Mm. And there's the half-time siren. Yeah, it's still, still over six goals, the difference. The yeah. Hawthorne up by 37 points. Now Geelong actually won the quarter by three points, but considering Hawthorne won the first quarter by 40, 
living up to their billets. Quite not enough. At least at this stage. So I will ask, are we gonna let this time out and watch them all walk around and oh my god. Well this should come back straight to the third quarter. So Ah uh, does it? Okay. Yeah. I can't imagine it's going to have a half time. There we go. Start oh, there the third we go. quarter. Yep. Start of the second half, 12-9 is 7-2. Can the Cats come back? We're about to find out. Dippia Domenico, tackled by Hawkins, manages the kick. Went about 10 metres. Even like, I mean, when you look at footy now, the ball's changed a lot itself, you know. Played pretty well this afternoon. Comes away from half-back and boots towards half-forward. This is Ayers, quickly onto the boot, back towards midfield. Are you going to elaborate, Joe? No, I just know, like, from the, the technology side, uh, like, with technology, the ball's changed quite a bit, and the way that you can kick now in certain angles, so you, you just couldn't do 20 years ago that they're kicking from now, and the way that they're kicking it, because it, it does travel differently in the air. Even with the way they're bouncing it, you, like, I mean, you look at certain small forwards can predict how they're going to be able to bounce a ball through. Yeah. So... I was always wondered if... Uh, professional footballs... Uh, the way they're designed are just... Designed a lot better than the footy that I used to have when I was a kid. Because... You know, you see these people... That, you see these footballers kick the ball and... But generally, you know, it goes end over end, and if it bounces, it will keep bouncing end over end. But, you know, every time I'd kick the ball, it would <laughs> land and then bounce at some weird angle. I mean, it definitely was the ball, Joel, when you were growing up and kicking it. That's, that was the main reason for you and not getting yeah. that footy career. You pro you could have yeah. been a premiership player as well. Yeah. Or tradesman That's what I blames think. his tools. <laughs> It's probably also, you know, the pleather that uh, was peeling off my football as well didn't help. Uh, it was just from, you know, you doing those 80 metre bombs that were accurate. It's just the amount of force you're putting into it. I did have, I did have like a, maybe a two, week, a two week span of going down to the park near my house and, and I was able to kick exactly like Wayne Carey and it was... I was like, holy shit, I, I've learned how to kick. And then I lost it. <laughs> I think the best I was ever able to kick when we played footy at school was about 35, 40 metres, like from 13 to 15, which I was impressed by. And then you see other kids come in and they're kicking longer. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe not, so, not so impressive. Stick with the handball. Yeah, I was just quicker than most of them, so... <laughs> But I still think, you know, and I'll keep bringing this up, I still think this is probably the, the greatest sport in the world. Well, that's why we're watching it. So unique. It is. It's just a shame more people haven't caught on to it. Well, it's got everything. I love watching, um those from the US with their reactions to you know watching games or watching like the big the greatest hits of X year or like the, the greatest marks and they're, they're all just sitting there and they're just like well, where's their armor what's going on why why do they play this game what is wrong with these people 
That's 50. That's 50 any day yeah. of the week. Well, I think, I think the big issue is that when people aren't familiar with it, they are so confused by it. And then... Yeah. It's, I mean, as humans, we, we kind of... If something confuses us, we just try and avoid it, right? So instead of yeah. learning it and and working out what's going on and understanding what, all the different rules and uh, why people play and all that shit. Uh, it's a much easier just to go, oh wow, that looks crazy, and then just never watch it again. Yeah. I mean, that is just until you try and watch American football and then you go, I don't understand this game because they don't touch the ball with their feet at all. Yeah, but... They also, they grow up playing it. They know. Yeah, they grow up. They know the rules. So. And also, it's very stop-start. So there's a lot of like, yeah. There's they've got offensive teams and defensive teams. They they have the the players are just are, are literally like soldiers to a general as opposed to yeah. um, like people that can think on their feet. They, they execute a game plan that is to the team. Their, their breaks are scheduled to such a degree that the more the times the the game breaks down, the more advertising they can do. It's like it's almost scheduled around the advertising. Yeah. I mean, all their, sports, all their sports have break times. Oh. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stop-start for how much gameplay there is compared to this, you know? Whereas this is, you know... Each quarter, start to finish, no non-stop. Um, people don't people don't have long attention spans. You do have the other side of how? things. Where how did people... that... Sorry, to... how did that come back? That was an intercepted mark. Did he come? Did Ablett come off the? Why'd they bring this back? He must have come off uh, the mark. I remember they used to pull back those kicks a lot if they don't. If they don't kick along the line of the mark, so yeah. if they're not directly in line with where the mark is, they'll call them back. So even if they they've got to kick on, that works, or if it doesn't work, doesn't matter. They've got to come back to the line of the mark. Yeah. And kick it. I think they've relaxed that quite a bit over the years. Um, what I was going to say is what about relating to things that are new to people and then then becoming confused and not wanting to participate any further. I think it works out, uh, the opposite way as well, where people become genuinely intrigued in something and they just want to know everything about it. Like, I'm sure all three of us here have sat down with somebody who's never seen the game or knows very little about the game and will just sit there asking questions the whole time for every decision that, that they just simply do not understand. Well, I still get that with my wife and she's seen plenty of football. I mean, she'll watch probably maybe three games a year. But uh, she still has no idea what's going on. Yeah. But once you learn everything and you understand how things are interpreted and you see it enough, then you, you can you can truly enjoy this game. 
but there's still a lot of excitement in the new aspects and like you think that you know something and then you it, when when you're new to something you think you know something because mm. you've seen it a few times and then an, a different rule that you haven't seen or is barely you comes out of the woodwork and you're like shit okay now we're at a disadvantage here so this isn't, I think this isn't football related but it is sports related I remember when I was re really young and I was looking at the cricket scores and I wasn't really that familiar with how things worked and I said to my dad, oh, both these, both these teams have a guy named Sundries playing for them and scored a fair bit for both of them. And he just laughed, laughed his ass off at me. He said, yeah, Sundries are the extras. <laughs> Cameron, we got a laugh. Three, two, one. Oh, man. God, that was so funny, Joel. <laughs> hey, when somebody when you don't know cricket, somebody can really take advantage of you. Yeah. I, I remember as a kid, my brother was super into cricket, and I and we wanted to I wanted to use the TV, and he was like, "Oh, after this this many overs," and I had no idea what an over was, and I was like, "I what is that? How the, isn't the over over?" He's like, "Nah, nope, there's still more," and I, I knew that years later that he had. Um, lied to me because he told me that an over was like 10 balls or something and he's like yeah he'd really he'd push the envelope um but yeah but yeah with with understanding the rules of cricket i can honestly say that i still don't give a fuck <laughs> nah, neither. can't do it i love but, um, I, I do like playing cricket it is fun but it's boring as fuck to watch i'm sorry and yeah, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. I would rather sorry, sit down and watch cricket than watch baseball, though. Oh, I can't do that. I like baseball. I grew up playing baseball. I actually enjoyed watching baseball. T-ball's not so, the same as baseball, dude. <laughs> I grew up playing T-ball and baseball, dude. I grew up... I played both. Eat shit, Jay. I played, I played both, man. Year I like five, it. I think it was, when we played T-ball, our main goal was to see how badly we could bend this, um, the pole holding the ball not actually hit the ball so it'd be like how high can you swing to break the thing rather than actually play the game I actually broke a wooden bat that I had borrowed from a, a teammate so, that wasn't yeah. very nice of you was it what'd you do no, hit him on the head no I was actually um, this is t-ball talk but um, yeah I ended Ooh. up snapping a, a baseball bat that and, um, because I hit the tee so hard and I felt so bad I was not very good at, at batting I remember us having, ever using a wooden bat for tee ball always those no, it was metal always metal ones. well I didn't own it um, a, a metal bat so I was borrowing like whoever was around and then I snapped that one and the parents <laughs> of the kid were just like holy shit that was so cool Like, and I was, I was so apologetic I was like nine or something but yeah snapped clean in two and, and my dad um my dad ended up buying me an aluminium bat after that because yeah obviously it felt bad for you i still own that it's uh just for the police playing at home it's still in my car just for any altercations a, a child-sized bat 
<laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Is he lying? Who knows? Only one way to find out. Yeah, Cameron, just let everyone know where you live. Like, you know no one's listening to this, so it's safe. Yeah, it is. I've already given my social security. I'll, I'll also give um, any information, my driver's license, my passport. I'm going to give that all at the end of the pod, because that's how confident I am. <laughs> and if I don't get identity thefted, by God, Robert Scott, Mr. Forgettable. Do you know anyone who's uh, had identity theft occur to them? This is a, this is a bit of an off-topic thing. We're well, sitting here watching no. Robert Scott um, kicking a goal. Men memorable Robert Scott performance. No, it's um, just that I, don't, I know someone who has. <laughs> we, talk, we talk identity theft in this episode, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we talk T-ball. We talk... We talk bonus. <laughs> Go ahead, Joel. Tell us your identity theft story. Oh, it's not so much of a story. It's just that someone stole his identity and started using his credit card. And they'd use his driver's license. And even though they look nothing like him, people would accept like businesses would accept it. And uh, it, was, it was a nightmare for him. He had to get so much changed. When was this? Was this recently, or was this uh, in the days of the chip, the credit card where you could do the chip thing? <laughs> no, no, it was recent. It was a few years ago, but last few years. Back in the same same age that this game was, it Joel? Nah. Um, enough on identity theft. I was yeah. going to say. Uh, well, the lesson uh, is: don't leave your wallet in your fucking car. Yeah. That's a good lesson. You know, details on Facebook, so, you know, you're fucked anyway. Do you guys, where do you, where do you put your wallet in your pocket? Is it in a back pocket? No, always side pocket. Yeah. Back pocket's not safe. Yeah, why the fuck does anyone use a back pocket? When I was a kid and in my teenage years, up until I was about 20, I was using the back pocket. The back pocket because... It was easier to have phone keys and then back pocket wallet. Nah, but I, put nothing I realized in my back every time I, every time I sat down, I had a thick wallet and my ass <laughs> was on the neck. So I was never comfortable, yeah. never ever comfortable. No, so it was know. always it migrated to my my wallet. For those of you who want to steal from me in public, I've got my phone <laughs> in my right pocket, as in my right pocket, and yeah. then in my left pocket. That's where the keys and wallet go. Because mm. if the keys are going to scratch away, then they're going to scratch away in uh, on the wallet, not the seat. No, on the phone. Fucking hell! Are you alright, hockey? Yeah, I'm fine. Blood. Puss spits blood. It's fine. <laughs> no need for blood rule. Um, yeah, I think 13, 14. I was into a lot of punk rock, so I used to have the chain for the wallet, and I only ever had had it in the back pocket for a while till someone tried to nick it. But you know, the chain worked. It stopped it. <laughs> That's filthy. What do you mean? He's going to give you a tongue kiss after. You didn't have an no, aluminium no, I mean, bat handy, did no, you, No, I mean, it's filthy nah, that you have the dog to... chain gang kind of going on, like with the punk chain Fucking had to, mate. Where was the other end of the chain? Was that Where was that connected to? Oh, I was connected to my scrotum. <laughs> of course. 
it was one of those ones where, yeah, it's what like the, the fuck Albert. was that goal? Did you see that? Yeah, that was a, a bullshit goal. Yeah, so Jay, you had it through the Prince Albert and then straight to the straight to the the pocket, or <laughs> is that easiest way to know that never get nicked? So yeah, if you ever felt a tug on your Roger, then you know. You turn around, you give, trying to steal your shit. you give him a smile and then you headbutt the fucker. Look at that, he just threw that on his left. <laughs> give him a That's Manchester... Good kick. good kick on the left too. The Chelsea grin. Oh, Manchester yeah. kiss. <laughs> Glasgow kiss. That's right. <laughs> Which is just a headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> This... I, when I looked at the score, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be an interesting game, but like, you just forget, just don't care what Geelong supporters want to say. They were fucking demolished. <laughs> no, well, that's why we should be watching the last quarter, not not the whole game. Not nothing else. So we, we could have fit four grand finals in this. We could have done Port Adelaide and Geelong, and then done this one. Yeah. We could have done the last quarter of the Demolition Derby and also the Monday goal after the Siren during the Geelong Pre We could have done all four. We could yeah. have had a Premiership quarter, yeah, we could have but had the fourth quarter. All of Fremantle's well, noteworthy wins in one night. <laughs> we could. We could have... Should, that's what covered. you should have invited me. Be one and done. Just get, yeah. It's just well, like, yeah, just let me know if you need anything else. <laughs> I'm trying to reduce the tenure as much as possible. Just because I'm a busy man. I've got other podcasts to be on. Oh, see? He's, he's had enough of this already, Jay. Yeah, he's he started up his own. He's doing a Fremantle one by himself. So he's just trying to steal our material to take over there. I already get complimented on the Fremantle podcasts that exist. For those of you who actually might listen to them, you got the Purple Rain podcast with Duck and Oz, and you've also got... Dork Talk, the, the sister podcast, which has a lot more swearing in it, <laughs> and uh, that's with Monkey and Juddy. But yeah, nobody's nobody who likes free is going to listen to this anyway. So, but if you do, I plug those boys. Big shout out to those boys. They've mentioned my name a few times. So you know, after but mainly you... in, can Cameron stop messaging us? Kind of thing. Yeah. Or you know. Um, we're doing a shout out to Cameron. This guy knows where I live somehow and he's taken pictures of me when I was in my yard. I don't feel safe. Please help. I'm going to stop messaging them and putting them in message threads as well, like in comment threads. But that's fine. It's all good. They're just two, a few battlers out there with their podcast, getting a few listeners, punchy stuff. Not this podcast, but those ones. Good, it's good. I think yeah, I was uh, gonna say, we don't know. we don't even manage a few listeners. I think we only have one. <laughs> Your yeah. son doesn't count, Joel. Dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say actually, let's not let's not insult Joel. It's intelligent. The only person who listened to it last week was me because I wanted to hear my own voice. So, did you Did you listen to the whole thing? No, I did not. Sorry. Oh, I am so sorry. You missed out on some gold. Ben God. listened to quite a bit of it and reckons we did pretty well with the three of us. Okay. So, even though he hates footy and knows nothing about it, but... Thanks for the feedback, was, Ben. How was that 50? 
How, yeah, how is that oh. 50? I mean, like, it probably was modern 50, but at the oh. same time, the amount of 50s that I've seen gone by in this game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but look how late that challenge is. And he's still going for him. Get the taste. <laughs> Think in the context of this game, you know, that's a bullshit 50. Oh, it's a gimme. There's others where, you, you know, probably should have been a better 50. <sighs> so yeah, this is the greatest grand final, according to some. Where Hawthorne continually kick out to six, seven goal leads. Yeah. Wasn't there the vote recently that the 2018 was voted as like the best one yeah. to watch in the last Fox, 50 years? Fox Footy, that was number one. It wasn't um it wasn't grand finals. It was um games. Yeah, it was games. So yeah. Mm. I think this one came in at number three. Not a lot of Dockers games in that list, but the the prelim was definitely there. Yeah. The qualifying, the the, the one with Geelong, the qualifying, should I say? Let's take a look. I actually have the link handy. Yeah, I think it's the top fifty games. So number one, 2018 grand final. Number two, 2016 preliminary final, Giants and Bulldogs. 89 grand Ugh. final. Number three. Now let's find where Freeman or R. Scrolling. Scrolling. See, I actually think the 2017 um, Freo Richmond game should should have been in there in the top 50. All right, so. Number 30, they come in, qualifying final, 2013, Geelong, Fremantle. Mm. And, yeah. and then you've got the Demo Derby at 41. There you go. Greatest, in the top 50 greatest games of all time. According to the not Fox rock. footy viewers. Yeah, but it's not wrong. I mean, you don't well, have to have every team in there. You're no. just going to have the best games. But I mean, it's got some some random games and recency bias, obviously. But uh, it's got a really good game at number 50, the 94 preliminary final with Geelong and North Melbourne. That, that's got a really epic finish. Jeez. I miss oh, high school, man. He is so hurt. Yeah, the trainer's just like, come on, mate, get the fuck up. Come on, guys, everyone run over. We've got to give him some encouragement. He's heavy. Oof, big hit. Yates, again. The Yates hit him is, again. Yates is dangerous, man. <laughs> He's before his time. He'd be... He'd be good with the young young kids these days. He would. He would have got along swimmingly with James Sicily. What a shit bloke. Yeah. Contra. Okay, here we go. How about this? Dipper, Dipper is one of the. Look at that. He just. He's better with the shoe off. He loves it. Mate, he's got but, more uh, group. I'm telling you, he goes faster. Um, controvert while we're on Dipper, controversial players that other people hate, you don't mind. 
Uh, Wayne Carey. Yeah, Duck's a good one, yeah. I, I'm a big Kerry fan. But then again, you knew that I was a North Melbourne supporter before the Dockers came in. Yeah, you jumped off at just the right time, Cameron. <laughs> uh, we had a pretty good run at the shin bonus, but something more local. Who else? Jay, you think of anyone? Someone outside of West Coast? Um, Favola. He's a fucking twat, but he's a good player. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong. Yeah, I'll pay wrong. He was good. You're not going to like mine. Jay's not going to like mine, and he knows where it is. Fev actually was quite... He was quite freakish in the goals he could kick. Uh, I think he's like kind of the forgotten forward of the modern mm -hmm. era because you, you know you've got the you know the ultra consistent guys like Lloyd and Pavlich and then you've got you know the, uh, the freakish superstars like Buddy Franklin and uh, Favola gets forgotten about a lot played with, mm. with Carlton during virtually their shittest era in history yeah but you know he was pretty consistent pretty Devastating player. So, when he wasn't pissing on people or, you know, inside <laughs> buildings. There was a game in uh, 2006 where Carlton came over here and they got up by about seven goals at one point against the Eagles. And this is when Carlton were the you know, bottom of the ladder, Eagles up at the top. And the previous week it was the week where. Uh, the Eagles had gone down to Geelong and come back from a nine-goal deficit to to pip the Cats, and then they had this game against Carlton where Carlton were just all over them, and Fev was like kicking goals out of his ass. Uh, everything was going right for them, and then the Eagles just decided to turn up in the last quarter and overrun them. Yeah, I mean, I I remember West Coast doing a lot of that in. 90, it felt like it was 96 to 99 whenever they were playing in Subi, you know, or House of Pain, as you want to correctly name it. You know, when teams would come over here, they just seemed to dominate in that second half or that last quarter. 2006, it really felt like they did a lot of that. So, ooh, Ablett coming in for a screamer. Yeah, well, they made a habit of it that year in particular. Like they had those yeah. two games, but another one that stands out is the prelim final they played against Adelaide. That was that was in Adelaide, but uh, I think the Eagles only kicked. I don't think they kick. I think they didn't kick a goal in the first quarter from memory, and there was only twenty points or so down at halftime because it was a low-scoring one. But again, they came running over the top in the second half. Yeah. Just to um, note, I think Cameron's disappeared to go get some more special lube for himself and Ablett. He's no, I'm gone back, for a while. I'm good. I'm here. He's 30 I'm ready seconds. to go. See, I'm see how, hard. you know, like, it just sounds a lot. He's, you know, piping up with his attitude. Like, he obviously is uh, feeling a lot better now. A bit lighter. <laughs> a bit more light in the head department, yeah. Day God created. Look, that, you did God. Bit of God action. So they're still six goals odd down now, aren't they? And we're almost almost through this third quarter. 
Yeah, it's what was the actual score then? Don't say that. There you go, one fifteen yeah, to seventy eight. So six oh, you goals mean right down. Now. Yeah, right now I just wanted to compare to see what was left. There's still I mean, it does look like, I mean, obviously it looks like Hawthorne threw everything at them for the first half and they start to slow down now. We're just talking about Ablett anyway. Let's go back to him. Yep. So, have a look at, in 1989, he ends up with... 87 goals and I think 88 he kicked 82 goals so, and he wasn't a full forward you know I know he played full forward in this game but he was often you know roaming along the half forward line sometimes playing on a wing so he wasn't a permanent key position forward and yet he just hammered goal after goal his final series this is what he kicked in the finals. So four games in the finals. Kicked nine goals in the grand final. Eight goals the week before in the prelim final. Seven goals in the semi-final. And three goals in the qualifying final. So that's what? 20... Well, he was on 20, 24 just on that last goal. 27 goals in four games, four finals. Yeah, it's a pretty good score to have, so... I was watching some highlights of the prelim final as I was looking up stuff for this game, and I thought, oh yeah, I've never really watched uh, any of the other finals from 89, so I'll, I'll have a look at these highlights, and if he finishes up with eight goals, five, but... Watching that game, he missed some really easy ones, and but not only that, he was giving passes away. He wasn't playing at full forward; he was playing up on you know around the half forward area, and he was passing it into the forward line as well. He could have kicked a mammoth bag in that match. But he was going with the approach that you know, team comes before, like the win comes before a personal score, so. Or at least he was, that's what the aim would have been. Well, I don't know. Eight goals, five, he kicked. That's 13 scoring shots himself. He kicks nine goals, one in this in this 89 grand final. So only 10 scoring shots, so he gets a lot, that was the point. A lot less in terms of opportunities to goal, but not just eight goals, five that he kicked in the in the prelim, but he was delivering it to, to other forwards when he was a bit too far. Yeah. I think that's like one of the first few mistakes Hawthorne's made in their defence line from the kick-out. They also absolutely smashed Essendon as well by about 100 points. I think it might have just dropped under 100 at the end, but... There's a few times where goals were kicked and I saw the score was like over 100 points up. This is quite a regular thing back in these days. Teams would just smash another team. 
kicks it up into the forward pocket. The bounce goes through all players. Well, when was the last time you remember a team scoring like 180 points? Probably going back to maybe Geelong in 07 or oh, maybe that game where, again, it always seems to be Geelong, where they played Melbourne. I remember that was a famous one um, back before, remember when, uh, before Paul Ruse came to save Melbourne from itself and get them back so on track. After the Mark Neal? Yeah, so it might have been Mark Neal as the coach. And, yeah, um, he had a horrible losing record. Geelong absolutely thumped the fuck out of him. Maybe 2012 or something along that, around that time. But I remember Geelong in 07, they destroyed Richmond. And I think that was why a game, you know, probably about a dozen, half a dozen games into the season where Geelong were a little bit patchy to start the year, but they smashed Richmond and then went on a tear. I just brought brought up the AFL's got listed on their website that the highest score by a team was Geelong against Brisbane in ninety two. Yeah. Yeah, they went two hundred and thirty nine to seventy five. Yeah. The lowest score by a team was in eighteen ninety nine, which was Saint Kilda versus Geelong. Yeah, the one point. <laughs> yeah, back when but just one point was kicked the whole day. Yeah, one point and two 162 points though, which yeah. oh, three quarter time. Yeah, I've, I've heard of country games being like that as well. Yeah, I've heard that. So and the yeah. most goals scored by a single player was 18 goals by Fred Fanning, Fred Fanning from Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, 1947. Yeah, so Dunstall got 17 in 92 against Richmond. I was. It was kind of a bummer that he couldn't match it. But um, back in, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, it wasn't that uncommon for teams to go goalless even. Just, you know, only kick two or three points for a match. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much amateur back then, right? Mm. But, um... Well, I mean, it was just, they just played, didn't they? And, and they worked. That was it. There was no money yeah. involved, so... Well, if you want to look at high scoring, right, you should check out Geelong in 89, where there was this run of games where they just kicked, like, either 20 or 30 goals. So there was, like, a match against St Kilda. Hang on. match against Hawthorne early in the season. They lost by kicking 163 points, so 25 goals, 13. But uh, they lost by 8 points. Hawthorne kicked 171. And then the following week against St Kilda, Geelong kicked 228. That's like 35 goals, 18. And they won by 109 points. No, 119 points. Crazy, following week. It's actually crazy. Following week, 26 goals against Brisbane, and they scored 179. The win by 129. And then the week after that, 32 goals against Richmond, and they win by 134. So there was like three matches, and then also that Hawthorne game, where they're kicking mammoth scores. And never mind the week after that Richmond game, where they kicked 154 against Collingwood. But um, they had three matches in a row, they won by over 100 points. Nuts. Mm. 
looking out here for Flanagan, and he takes the mark at half-back for the Cats. Geelong need to get a bit of a roll on Flanagan's kick on centre wing and a good bar. I'm just Taken not expecting much from Hawthorne this quarter. No, but I mean, if you look, Geelong actually is starting to look like they have a back line and a team. So... How disappointed must you be for Gary Ablett for him to just kick those yeah. bags and then just within seconds have it taken away? Because that's what's happened. I've seen numerous occasions where it's gone one coast, Gary kicks it, kicks a goal, yeah, and, then, back. and then it's straight away back, and then it was just like it's all for naught. Big bags don't mean a whole lot. I'm probably controversial with saying this, but big bags don't mean a whole lot when there's a lot of goals scored throughout the game anyway. Yeah. And it's just yeah, it's just a percentage, about the same percentage of whatever score you were going to be scoring. Yeah, well, this is the thing. In a modern game. If you look at what the Hawthorne side scores in terms of multiple goals, they have three players who kick four goals each. Yeah. And then they See, have that's a, pretty. I find that astonishing. And then they had another three who kicked uh, another. Sorry, another two who kicked three each. Just double check that actually. Yeah. yeah, look at that. They're forcing turnovers now, and they're actually right in it. But I mean, four players yeah. kicking. Kicking 12 goals between them, that easily cancels out Ablett's contribution. Exactly, yeah. Hmm. Means that they're just sitting there relying on Ablett. He's certainly a um, worthy lead and a great contested ball um, winner. But, you know, but that can be the, the crutch to a team as well as having just that one person that you just constantly rely on to try and make the difference. So, Yeah, but it's not going to win your games. There's plenty of games where I'm sure you remember his Freo, you know, Pav did so much, but he we always had so much ballers. more can. We had, like, we never, it was never just Pav. There was always a small forward to complement him and and like scrimmage and it's pretty uh, I mean Ballers I think they were celebrating have recently on the on uh, the Freo Dockers Instagram and Ballers actually chimed in and said um, the amount of goals that I would have got if, if you hadn't grabbed it and um, have said pretty much the same thing that the amount of goals I wouldn't have got if you didn't kick it to me or, or picked it up so you do need you need balance there, and it seemed like Gary was he was God because he took everything on his shoulders. I mean that's a Titan, that's Atlas, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like when you yeah. invest in one but player, he he was also given. I mean that opportunity. A lot of people relied on him to do that, and the thing was everyone knew he could do it. I guess that was probably the biggest difference is that they knew that he could make something out of nothing. They kind of just shot the team in the foot by having such a garbage defence. Truthfully, I mean, like, the con the concessions. Conceding so much is just so costly. You can just look back at Gary's career and say, shit, he had, he's such a good one, look at this, look how many bags. But yeah, when it comes down to the punch, and the other team's got, like, like what you said, Joel, 
four, three people that have scored four goals each. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. In terms of winning a game, then. Not take nothing away from Gary Aberrant. He's an absolute legend. Yeah, well, I think the only only uh, player who probably suffered worse than Ablett was uh, Tony Lockett because he'd kick big bags and St Kilda would get their asses handed to them. Didn't he have some success with Sydney, though? Yeah, they made a grand yeah, final. Yeah, I think Coleman's and stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's a knockout. That's a concussion right there. No, he's not. He shouldn't be getting no, well, you can tell it's concussion by the way the body's spasming, so... Yeah. That's... Yeah, but, um... Lockett... Lockett's got the most goals scored, I think, ever in the NFL, doesn't he? Lockett? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he still holds that title. Yeah, and probably the... will for a very long time. Untouched, like dude. 1,300 odd or so. Yeah, he's clear by 100 or something. Mm. I think, uh, oh, Buddy is making his way up the ranks, but I, I think Buddy's cooked. That's a different story. I think Buddy's done. Yeah, he's still going to... He'll still have to play a number of years to come close. Yeah. I think he's almost at a thousand, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't I know, know if Buddy's got like another four. season in him, does he? You've got Lloyd. You've got Lloyd and Kerry as well in that list. And Lloyd is at a hundred and uh, I think a uh, thousand and one hundred. I think. Be wrong. But I know Lloyd is up there. I mean, on that with um, Buddy, I don't know if he's got. You know, is he going to be playing next season? Is he not? Like he's starting to get a lot of those soft tissue injuries, and he's getting a lot of soreness. So. That's right. Okay, so Buddy's just gone past Lloyd. So the top three are um, cut. It's uh, Lockett with thirteen sixty, Coventry with twelve ninety nine, Dunstall with twelve fifty four. So it's like that's that's the top three. And now Franklin is seven. So it goes one, two, three, four, five. Doug Wade is four. Gary Ablett Sr. is uh, five with 10.31. Jack Titus, 97, oh, 970. Lance Franklin, 928. So, yeah, pretty untouched. No, no modern player can get mm. close to that. Nah, the game doesn't allow it anyway, so... Quickly touching on Geelong's play now, they're starting to really force turnovers, they're intercept, they're just... That's a good kick, isn't it? Wow. They're stepping up. They've definitely stepped up. You mean they showed up? They decided to realise that they were playing in a grand final. That guy looked like Kenny Rogers. He did. The, the guy in the crowd, he did. Why do we promote Fosters so much? Like, no one likes drinking urine, and yet we promote Fosters so much. I just I don't, don't get it. 
It's just one of those cultural things Australians propagate despite yeah. not even partaking. Like the shrimp on the barbie thing. Like yeah. even prawns on the barbie is not as popular as, I don't know, VB. Just putting a fucking know. steak on the barbie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, isn't the, uh, the bunning sausage sizzle more iconic? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> or drinking bintang. <laughs> What's more, Austra- what is yeah. more Australian than drinking bintang? No. <laughs> you got to drink bintang, but you can't be on Australian soil when you do it. Mm-hmm. What is more West Australian than going to Bali to drink bintang? <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, what's more Australian, um, West Australian than leaving WA to go and drink beer in a pool when we have all these beaches? And also ensuring you come back with the Bintang tank top. To prove that, you know, you're a walking human potato. Yeah. I've got the Bintang um, uniform. I've got the Bintang short shorts, vi- like violent um, orange, and fucking... The Bintang Violent Orange singlet as well. My pajamas. My Bali pajamas. Oh, Ooh. Gary on his back again. Oh, oh there's the streaker. Bat lady. That's just the Batwoman streaker. And you oh. thought I was having a bat before. <laughs> Uh, just got that image. If she walks past, I thought it, I might, I might reach climax if she walks past Gary. You know, I actually realised during the week how how much Batman association there is with Hawthorne premierships. Because you've got really? the well, it's '89. The Michael Keaton Batman movie comes out. You've got the Bat Batwoman streaker. Then you've got '91. You've got Angry Anderson doing the Batmobile. Uh, Pre-grand I saw final. a Batman hat in the crowd as well, yeah. just on the last shot. That same Kenny Rogers guy uh, had a Batman hat. 2008, The Dark Knight came out. Um, and then in between the last Chris Nolan Batman film in 2012 and the Ben Affleck Batman vs. Superman film in 2016, in between those two years, they won three premierships in a row. It's all about Batman when it comes to Hawthorne. Well, not always. I mean, like the the Cameron. Um, the I just DC I just e- said it does. Yeah, always. but what about the most recent Batman's? What was the what, most recent? Reason? What was the most recent one? That violent garbage that was, it was um, Batman versus Superman. Was that the last one? Wasn't there another? Oh, I think one? they did like uh, they did a uh, Justice League. Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Justice League but, would have been the last uh, one. But it doesn't have Batman in the title. No, so the, basically, as soon as Robert Pattinson's Batman comes out... Yeah, we Hawthorne can expect another Hawthorne flag. flag, so let's hope it never gets paid. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, but, you know, might as well throw Hawthorne under the bus for this one. It, it was also 88 and 89 on their banner that they used blackface to promote <laughs> themselves as well, so... They're just being that's... culturally inclusive, you know, an all-white team with a blackface banner. Nothing says yeah. cultural inclusivity like that. As but I digress. Please don't sue me, Hawthorne. <laughs> They're not going to sue you, dude. It's everyone else is going to bash you for trying to s- say that you support it when you're not really. If you don't find what I'm saying funny, then go fuck yourself. 
So, like, that, the one listener is just going to be like, this guy's a fucking racist, and he's just going to yeah. try and hunt you down. The one listener is like, I'm going to fuck myself. What? Wait, you're listening again, Cameron, or what's going on? Dude, I've tried. I've tried. Oh, what? Harry? Listening or fucking yourself? I'm going to have to make sure, sure I'm going to have to make sure I tell my mum never to listen to these because she might accidentally listen one day. It's been an hour and a half since Jay seen any Eagles players, and he's getting antsy. Jay, we are allowed to podcast on different nights if you if you do have early morning starts. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's too late now. So what have we got left? Like ten minutes? Thirteen minutes. One. Well, that's thirteen, 13 straight. Minutes. They don't stop well, that clock. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you're probably looking not. at about 15 minutes. Yeah, so. Nowadays, no, that's straight. That's, they won't yeah, stop that clock. that means that that's how much time's left. Back in those days... Yeah, but days, don't they run the no, back overtime? In, back no in the, time no, on. Back in those days, that clock was running from start to finish. Yeah. That's how much was left. Because so. when did they change that? Because I remember mid-90s watching the games go running out like... Well, they changed it in the... The umpire can call time on, and the clock will stop, alright? But the umpire rarely does it in this this era, where they'll, you know, blow the whistle and call for it. So if they blow the whistle and they indicate that the game is stopped, and they want the clock stopped, the clock will stop. But it doesn't happen, basically doesn't happen. Um... If yeah. it goes out of bounds, the clock doesn't stop. If there's a ball up, the clock doesn't stop. If you kick a goal, the yeah. clock... I think I can't remember if the clock stops after a goal or not. I oh. think it, it does stop after a goal. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's but, still um, stop for that. But for yeah, that. but through the 90s, they introduced... Um, when it went out of play, 
uh, they stop the clock, so it does come in during the 90s. Did it coincide, if you remember, with the telecast showing a countdown as, a, as opposed to a count up? Because that there was somewhere where broadcast eventually changed to reflecting how much time was left rather than what you see at local games and um, yeah. state level where, well, where think, the clock just goes up yeah. to the 30 minutes. I think in, uh, in this game it's going down, so I don't know exactly mm. when it came in, when they changed it, I think. I think it was often, yeah. if, they sh if they showed the clock in VFL games on TV, it pretty much always counted down. Um, I know the Waffle kept counting up, and may even still do, but um, even the countdown clock in these games, obviously it's not shown throughout the whole match, they only bring it up every now and then. Yeah, and but, uh, it wasn't available for the people at the, at the ground. No, and still, still really isn't. But, um, it is in modern football now. It is. Oh, you mean for um, the for like the teams to know? Um, just in general, like uh, at um, again at home games and away games. Um, oh. in the like for the last uh, at least nine years that I can remember, they've had scores at the ground and with the time right next to it of how much time's left. Really? But actually, the suit actually at Subiaco Oval it went up. Yeah, Subie used to go up. Um, Even when they got those digital ones. Yeah, because I remember watching it, like, as a kid, used to sit there in the game, it was counting up to, like, 30, 31, 32. But completely off topic, this goal that Ablett gets, why is someone in the crowd with a Ford banner? Because Geelong's, Geelong is sponsored by Ford. Well, they've sponsored, yeah. so he's just yeah. sitting there waving it around. Although, I think they're still sponsored by Ford. I think that's the they longest, longest running sponsor. That's the longest running sponsorship in the comp. This this yep. was a bit of a shit time for Ford too, because you know when they created the GTH Phase Three, and then there was rumours with the four they're hitting 200 miles. The government intervened with that and ruined, and then Holden got in front. But yeah, Ford's not a good time. Here we go. The now they're, they're back within 11 points now. Crowd starting to get going off their nut, thinking maybe this is going to happen. I mean, to the, those who rate this game, yes, it is tight-ish from here on out, but still doesn't get yeah, we to watch this last ten minutes. Still that's what we should have done. Still doesn't get yeah. That's the thing. It's only the last quarter. They don't get within a goal until like the last minute. <laughs> I mean, there's nine minutes left, but they're not getting much closer. No. And to rate this game as a collective as being, you know, this great grand final, I don't know. I think, you know, there's moments of it. you got, obviously, Ablett's performance. But as a whole, the first three quarters was kind of painful to watch for Geelong. Yeah, but at the same time, on the inverse of what you're saying... That, that's what makes it a good grand final because the tension is building and it looks like the story is already written but then you see this comeback and you and that's what makes it a good game the the best games i've ever seen and attended are the ones where 
Not that it's a blowout, even though it's your team that's doing the blowing out. It's the ones where it's t it, it changes lead several times in the space of minutes, and it's it's points that are the difference. And that's why this game will go down in history because it's probably what is it less than a straight kick in the end, and it and they got so close, and nothing's better than a so close victory or defeat. It keeps yeah. the it makes you feel gratified for getting over the line and it also crushes those people and inspires those people that don't make the mark. So what you're saying is with if I'm getting this correct, is it's a game where the best games or grand final is where it sort of swings a bit and you don't you never really know who's truly gonna win it. So you're you're agreeing is the two thousand and eighteen was the best game you've ever seen. No. That's not what I said. <laughs> I, I'm agreeing that it's one, it, um, easily um, like the, this, it is the um, structure for a best game. And I won't deny that that's, that game is exciting to watch. Um, and it would still be just as exciting if Collingwood had shut down um, any of the that resurgence. last chain. That yeah. last chain of events. If any of that, that chain got... Um, uh, broken, any of those leagues are broken, it would still be an exciting match because of the effort the Eagles did to get to that point. Because it's still within yeah. a kick and it's still I'll within agree with that. Kick. So, yeah, it's take away the teams and the, um, the AFL Grand Final 2018 is easily one of the best. doesn't yeah. matter who played. It's It's got the formula to make an exciting Grand Final that keeps you there to the last second. And that's that's where everything breaks. So I mean, really, outside of that, the next one following was the 2010 draw. Yeah, just, but nobody likes losing. No one likes a draw. Yeah. No, because you feel because nobody walks away with anything, and everybody's disappointed, and you feel like you've almost made it, but you didn't. Neither team made it. They didn't. It's not a how how you going, how's it going, like all good, let's walk away and, and feel good about it. It's both teams feel like shit and they get that. They, the players get that, oh shit, we could have done better. Let's go out and do better. But when you actually lose and there's a team that's celebrating, that's bitter, man. That hurts you. That makes you want more. That makes you want to get better. Hmm. Geelong get progressively yeah. worse in grand finals <laughs> after they this do. Well, I feel like St Kilda probably, you know, wears it worse though with with their rec record as well. Oh, easily. So, and Melbourne. And Collingwood to some degree. Uh, Collingwood. They do have had those to be couple. Involved couple of flags in the last 30 years, but a lot of grand final losses. Yep, more than any other team. Yep. But they have to be considered for that. It didn't matter. It, 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 if it wasn't the Collingwood losing the 2018 grand final, then it would be Collingwood losing another grand final by a small margin. Hmm. Like, they're there. Yeah. They're, the team to, they're the team to beat, man. Like, well, they should they have been there last year. They might be rich, but they've they're fucking skilled as well, and yeah, for so long. I think I've just ra I've raised this before that they just they're so good at just making grand finals that they really shouldn't make. 
Mm -hmm. And they probably burn themselves out getting there. But that's not to say they don't turn up on the day. Because they generally do. I think they play better uh, when they're kind of the underdog team as well. Yeah, which is, that worked in our favour too for 2018. But I mean, you think they were, didn't quite work in favour for them with 2002 and three. So, especially not 2003, but... So there's still about is it two or three goals. Minutes. Two or three goals the difference. Yeah, I think it's about that. But yeah, it's about four minutes left for him to. Gary, just that contested mark. Yeah, strong body. Didn't need to do much. He just outspaces. Well, I don't think his opponent did enough to get to put him off to be fair look at this he was out of that contest pretty quick just strength yeah but that's what he's doing so well yeah and he was in front of his man as well so he did everything right he just couldn't put him down yeah this is I think another goal is as close as they come yeah well, Hawthorne have kicked all their goals they're gonna kick Geelong have got one more to kick what, did they only kick one goal this term? Well, they end, both end up with 21 goals. Um, they yeah, they were on 20 in the third term. No, they kicked three goals, five. Because they were 18 to 13 for the third quarter. That was their final score. No, you're right, they did score three. It's pretty tense action. You know how it's gonna you know how it's gonna end. But this is this atmosphere here is this is what football's all about. When it's close and it's nail biting yeah. and there's time left and there's crunch. And, and the, the clutch I mean, players step up. And it's much more exciting when it's not your team playing. Mm-hmm. It's your team playing. Trying not to die from heart attacks. Exactly. It's just so hard as well. We're doing these grand finals, and the grand final is the penultimate game of the season, and everything builds up to it, and we're not seeing any of that build up. I mean, we talk about it a little bit, but we're not seeing any of that build up, so therefore, we just see a game presented to us on a platter, and if it's close, then it's close. If it's not, then it's, you know, we don't feel too much. Well, yeah, I mean, Joel and I touched on that, I think, with the St. Kilda. Collingwood, but it's like you, you don't really, if you don't live it, it's it's never the same. Like it doesn't matter how much you support the team, if you don't live them through that that season, you never really truly have that same feeling. Mm. Yeah, but I, so like I know what you mean as well, Cameron, with um, 
grand finals, especially when you know you got the week leading up to it with the brown low at the start of the week and and then the grand final parade through the week and they just have this big feel that's a lot different to your regular games and um, sometimes they come become just a blur when you watch them even when it's not your team playing because it just feels like an event rather than a football game that's the way Sydney and um, Hawthorne felt for me what was that 2000 well, there was a couple of those 14 2014 2014 was the loss yeah but 2012 yeah that but that Hawthorne the, the one that, where they went back to back after yeah, yeah, yeah that that felt like a nothing game to me I, I can't remember it the life of me yeah well that was a one sided one as well there's nothing Nothing yeah, to really even there. to really give a shit about. It's like last year's grand final, Richmond and, mm. and the Giants. It's just like who cares? Actually, it was, yeah, I would have liked to have seen Richmond Collingwood just for a better a spectacle. I think. Mm. Plus, plus, you know, fuck Richmond getting the Giants in their first ever grand final. That's like a gimme. Yeah. Now, whoever gets them in the second grand final is probably going to pay dearly. Oh, yeah. Which brings me back to the segue. The last 26 seconds, the controversy. Which controversial player do you like that other people don't? Mm. Jay knows. <laughs> Jay knows. Well, what's yours then? Go on, Cameron. Shock us. You know who it is. Come on. We're talking about it. We're talking about... Um, no, no, I'll let, you, just before. I'll let you do it, so... Toby Green? You know, yeah, I love Toby <laughs> Green, he's great. Good old studs out. There's the yeah. Mate, get your stitches, mate. There you go. I mean... That's, that's that. There's Ablett. Tears, can't hold him back. Poor guy. All those tears in the I crowd. Guess the thing is, for any team when they go back to back, That's you kind of looking bloke. Look at that guy. Yeah. Yeah. If the team's not yours, you kind of hate them more for going back to back, apart yeah. from Brisbane. But Alan Jeans. Well, Alan Jeans didn't actually coach back to back flags because uh, he. He didn't coach in 1988 because he had uh, some health issues. As you can see, he's old as time there. But um, yeah, he, is, isn't he? he started coaching in 1961, coaching St Kilda, and he got them to their one and only premiership in 1966. Yeah. Jeans did. Yep. And then he there was a about a five-year gap in between coaching the Saints because he was with them for 15 years and then he coached Hawthorne from 81 through to 1990 except for 1988 where Alan Joyce who was assistant coach he took over for that season Alan Joyce actually took over again after Jeans retired after 1990 Alan Joyce coached the Hawks in 91 so 
the first two seasons Alan Joyce coached any club, he won premierships. Mm. Well, he did well then, didn't he? Yeah, fuck yeah. So. And then uh, Alan Jeans uh, also coached Richmond for one year in 1992, but that, were, that was shit then. And um, just on the other side, Malcolm Blight, uh, Geelong's coach, he didn't. He took over uh, St Kilda in in the la, in like in um, last week's season, 2001. Um, he took over St Kilda mm -hmm. after they sacked their coach. And I think twelve games in, they gave him the flick. Yeah. Well, Malcolm Blight, he's he's very much in that. Like I talked last week about Lee Matthews, and also I've I've talked about Ross Lyon. He's like that finishing coach, where he takes mm. a a side that's you know got the runs on the board in terms of experience, but just need that need to be taken that extra step. And he did that with Geelong to a degree by getting them to. Uh, grand final in his first season, which is 89, and he got him into a couple more grand finals uh, before he uh, pissed off to the media and then came back uh, in 97 to coach the Crows and he got them to back-to-back -to -back flags in 97, 98. And then obviously, yeah, went to St Kilda a few years later but didn't do too well. No, I don't think they gave much of a chance. Well, I mean, on that note, I've to be up in five-ish hours. All right, Jay. If you want to go, you can. You can fuck yeah. off, and Cameron and I can wrap up. But but um, I'm thinking for next week's who's yep. whose call is it? Is it yours or mine? Now I can't keep up. Um, well, I'm happy if you want to call it, but I think last week we uh we sort of floated the idea we'd both pick one each, and then Cameron could could decide the winner. Well, I was going to go with the ninety-eight grand final between Crows and the Roos. Mm -hmm. I'm down. Because, you know, we haven't seen either team yet. Shin bone of pride, baby. Well, that's one that I, I was thinking about a couple of weeks ago when I went with 2001, but we can do 98. I'm happy with that. Do you want me to even bother coming up with a suggestion, Cameron? What is it, 92 or 94? <laughs> no, it's neither. Hello? Earth to Cameron. Oh, Cameron. did you want me to choose it? Cameron no, was just I've, I've, having a quick well, I've already you know, had my... No, well, well, I was watching um, Gary Ablett talking about... There's Dipper getting taken off the hospital. Um, I'm happy to go with 98. If if you're happy with that, I'll, you don't need to hear my suggestion and we can save that. I'm happy, but I am shouldn't be the... I'm well, trying I'll to think. Which, no, I fine. like that one. Let's go with 98. 98's great. You're going to go with 2012. Is, 98's what made me very happy as a North Melbourne fan who was still going against the grain of the family <laughs> and and supporting being left out outside while wearing my North Melbourne jacket while the family were all unhappy with how Frio was going. All right, we'll go with 98. I'm happy with that. All right. All right, well, so you're going to take off now, Jay? Yeah, thanks for having me. Have, um, it was a good one to watch. So, all right, we'll go get some of your beauty sleep, and you can get up some early. sleep. Yeah, you can so, get up early and do your lumberjacking or whatever you need to do. Yeah, you go out and you know chop down all those pesky trees. Yep, get in your way on the road. All right, take it easy, guys. Ha have right. sweet dreams about Gary Ablett. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Mate, I know you I'm and I have got different sweet dreams. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, enjoy your chewy dreams. Jeez. Sleep tight, princess. <laughs> Is he gone? Yeah, just look. Yeah, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. Just looking at... Um, Doesn't waste time, does he? Yeah, no, he's gone. Um, Good to see Michael Tuck giving some kind of speech. <laughs> have you still got the vision going, have you? Oh yeah, definitely. This is this is great stuff. Oh, we don't we don't give They've a fuck. They've already pouring the champagne straight into the oh. to the Premiership Cup. We don't give straight a fuck seeing it. them get the cup. I do. I dude, I don't see cups being raised <laughs> by a team very often, mate. So just let uh, me savor in this, even if it is the poos and wees. Now, do you reckon this tradition's going to be out the door now? And now we're in a post-coronavirus what, world. Drink? Yeah. I don't even think they they don't fill it up anymore. Yeah, they do. They fill it up with confetti and like blood, but like I don't know. <laughs> blood. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't think they do it anymore after after Dipper. Yeah, Dipper didn't even stick around for his medal. He was like, I'm, I'm no, he was like, medal. yeah. <laughs> They're like, shit, Dipper. I think you're gonna die soon. <laughs> we better get you off the hospital. Yeah, he's like, oh, I keep breathing in, and it feels like <laughs> fluid. And they're like, yeah, that's. Blood Dipper. Yeah, yeah this is our last backwards. They're getting their premiership medals after the cup is presented. So. He, there's one player that looks like um, Xavier Ellis Who's every the, uh, time. Do you know who those two guys there are on the on the podium? That guy looked like Xavier Ellis um, on the podium. Yeah, give um, out the medals. Uh, I can't see that the one on the right. I'm not sure of the one on the left, but he seems like a a person who does things. <laughs> it is a person indeed. <laughs> well, the guy the other the, guy. Go give it out the medals, and I'm pretty sure I'm not mistaken because it looks exactly like him. I think that's Ted Witten. Uh, oh, it is Footscray champion. Yeah, uh, AJ Witten. Yep. And the other dude with the moustache, that's the, the league's commissioner at the time, Ross Oakley. Mm. So a bit of Witten. What a so, mark taker. Ross Oakley was around when, um... I this think... guy. Yeah, it's Buc- Bacanara. Yeah, Bacanara. Uh, he, he looks exactly, from a distance, like Xavier Ellis. Another Hawthorne. Yeah, a little bit. Premiership player. Yeah, former Eagles. In the right well. line. Yeah, I mean, he was fat and overrated at the Eagles, but yeah. <laughs> he was. He admits that. <laughs> He, he just, was, he, he just, was done. He just came over with Simo for the gravy train. Yeah, he was fucking done. Um, looking over the... Th- looking, over, looking over each quarter of this match, Geelong won every quarter except for the first quarter, where they, you know, Hawthorne blew it out to 52 points to 12. So they set up their win in that first quarter of the horse. Geelong won every quarter after that. Well, it was enough. They were in a six-goal deficit. Hmm. From the start, so oh, they never they never caught up. No, Ablett's nine goals, still the record for an individual in mm-hmm. the grand final, as we said earlier. Uh, overtook Dermot Brereton's effort from 1985. What else can we really add to this that other people haven't really spoken about? It's it's a great grand final in terms of folklore, all the physicality, the Ablett display, nine goals. Uh, the result being six points. But for most of the match, the Hawks just 
just held them at bay easily. You know, every yep. as you mentioned earlier, Cameron, every time Geelong would get a goal, Hawthorne would just answer it. So until that last yeah. quarter where the Hawks would just like fucking blow the siren already uh, and Geelong were just chipping away at it, pegging it back bit by bit, but it was just too much in the end. So I think another notable thing that we already discussed is that the... Um, the not absurdity, but the the obscure nature of um, Gary Ablett winning the Norm Smith. Mm. It's just a bit ominous that somebody on the other team, you know, gets up there on that podium. That's historically for for the winners. You know, not that Gary Ablett wasn't a winner because he yeah. obviously did win it. But but it's it's a bit. It must feel weird for Gary to get up there on the podium and accept the Norm Smith before the other team comes up and accepts the cup and then all their medals. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it would be a, a bit, bit of a... surreal, surreal feeling is what I was a, trying to say. It'd be a bit of a hollow feeling, I think, for him to oh, totally. be, be named the best player on the ground, but, you know, stiff shit, your team didn't win. Uh, actually, yeah. similar occurrence for him in the 94 grand final, because... Uh, they uh, awarded him the Coleman medal, the leading goal kicker medal, on grand final day after the match. <laughs> and mm. they called him up onto the podium and he got given the uh, the Coleman medal in a losing grand final effort. Was, I reckon that was way more surreal because, you know, yeah. that's nothing to do it's with like, the fucking grand final. It's just, that's the home and away season as well, yeah. isn't it? Here's your Coleman medal, yeah, you're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, At least Gary Ablett's walked off grand final day with a medal. A couple of times. <laughs> Each time, you know? <laughs> I yeah. guess that's something. But, yeah. A, a showcase of Gary Ablett's talent and his as a contested beast. And, a, um, uh, ooh, and a showcase. The, um, see the little graphic with the cartoon yeah. hawk? That was a big that's thing cool. at the time. They used to have the winner. They used to have a little cartoon animal come across the screen. The caricatures? Yeah, the mascot. Oh, man, he looks uh, like he's on his deathbed. They took him the out of ICU. <laughs> yeah, Alan Jeans looks like they've taken him straight out of ICU. Let's coach this game. He does. He looks yeah. awful. He looks like he's on death's doorstep. He looks like he must be at least 70 or 80. Yeah. He probably he's wasn't. He's passed he, by now, he, surely. Yeah, I think he's passed away. Fuck, you can't... Ablett. He looks like, fuck this. He looks, yeah. Nah, he, what a superb, superb game, superb um, individual effort, but Hawks just too good. Just too good. They came out swinging, and they didn't stop swinging, and they could have put their foot on the brake at any point, and they did in the last quarter to some degree, but I just think that Geelong stepped up. Geelong just stepped it up. Unfortunately, it was too late. There were a few decisions... Um, that kept them out of the game in in respect to their inaccuracy. Uh, I know you don't decide to kick points, mm. but um, it, in in effect, it kind of fucked them there a little. Um, but but you look at the the point line for both teams in eighteen and twelve, plenty of opportunities. It's not like they were robbed of opportunities to score high at. Uh, do some high scoring in this game. Are we ready to step back into the present, or is there anything from 1989 you want to discuss? 
Not particularly. I mean, what what else is there? Gary Ablett, uh, Jason Dunstall. Not really. No, Dermot Brereton. Yeah, Dermot Brereton. I do know that it, I mean, talking from this day all the way to the present, um, there was a recent uh, uh, interview with Dermot in the last, probably last four months, three months, mm-hmm. and that Dermot about having a recent back operation. And um, he's been having back operations over 30, I think. He's had over 30 operations on his back. Wow. And a lot of a lot of it comes down. I, I mean, look this stuff up as well. But it all comes. It came down to that big hit that Yates gave him in this, just out of nowhere. He just was not ready for it. His body wasn't ready. It was like getting hit by a fucking truck. Yeah. And it showed. It showed that he just got shit mixed after that first goal. It was done. And um, yeah, broke broke his ribs. It's it's um changed the curvature of his spine. Yeah. He's like. A very courageous player, but he's taken a lot of hits over time. And yeah, I mean, if that's a segue to back to the present time, then yeah, Dermy having more surgeries—it's it's an ongoing thing. He's constantly in pain. It's pretty crazy. And how did uh, how did Dipper pull up after his lung got deflated? I think he was fine. Yeah. I mean, we all know we all know how his story ends. I mean, he's still alive today, and um, he had a successful boundary. Ru- he was in the nineties. He was the boundary rider. We're going down to Dipper. We're going to talk to Dipper, Dipper, and then it says Dipper in, in inverted commas and underneath boundary rider. I thought a boundary rider was a Dipper. That's <laughs> that's when I was growing up. You know, like he had a success. I don't think it's. They just didn't want to let him into the commentary box for some reason. Like, yeah, I think that's fair. Fuck off and stay on the ground, Dipper. Yeah, pretty much. But Dipper was good with the getting those interviews and and getting and and getting around it. I, I found that he always got around it, and he was a, an iconic figure, very easy, hmm. like very easy to to connect with because he was just a man. Well, I don't want to go that far, but somewhat a man of the people who could connect with anybody, and yeah. yeah. I think he was one of the uh, sort of transitionary media types who was more of the larrikin footballers than uh, than what they traditionally used. So, you know, they have guys in the commentary box who who uh, play football and they usually quite, you know, try to be semi-professional sort of thing, whereas Dipper came, you know, came in with his blokey attitude and everyone's mate sort of thing. So, kind of brought mm. that to that sort of style into the game. Yeah. I like that. I I found that. What do they do? What do they still call, they don't call it boundary rider anymore, do they? Call like um, additional comments sometimes they call it. <laughs> I don't know. I think Seriously? they still call them boundary have... riders. Yeah. I don't know. Don't really pay too much attention to what they terms they use. Anyway, that's 1989, and we're going to flip those last two numbers and go to 1998 next week. What sort of things are you looking forward to coming across, Cameron? I'm looking forward to a bit of um, seeing King Kerry in action back when he was the king. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to just some explosive football from um, North Melbourne and a premiership. Yeah. And um, I guess... A lot of the the Fremantle players that I never got to see shine at Frio. 
that came across. I think, namely, it was, yeah, I think there was only one or two, or, yeah, well, the dual citizens. I've got a lot of respect for um, players that have played for Fremantle and gone on to have good careers. You are well aware that North Melbourne don't actually win this grand final, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a grand final for the ages. It's a premiership. It's, it's like 2006, man. It happened. It happened. Who's to say that it didn't happen? We'll we'll look forward to it next week, and we'll get to see. Looking forward to we'll get looking to see forward Mal- to Wayne Carey lifting that cup. You know, Cameron. You I have think no it's idea what's in great... store for you. <laughs> I think that this is going to be a great game. Um, oh yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, the shinbone is getting up on top. You know, I'm not going to do any research. Don't tell me the result, but okay, it's going to be great. I mean. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I, I was wondering, and on that note, remember we were talking <laughs> no. about uh, former Fremantle players last week who went to North Melbourne, and yeah, I was finding yeah. I was going going through some old games, and yeah, Gary Durke did go to North Melbourne. Durke, Gary Durke. You said you said Des, you said Headland, I believe. Uh, I said Des Headland played for Brisbane. Oh yeah, yeah no, you're yeah. right. That's right. He started. Um, Winston Abraham, yeah, Winston Spider Abraham. Burton, yeah, Gary Durkay um, is the other. Peter one. Bell, Durkay. Yeah, and I think he's dead is it now. Just the four? Uh, yeah, from memory, there might be more. Um, was it Lee Brown who went the other way? Oh, I'm not sure. I know you'd be really picking my brain. Peter Mann started at North Melbourne and then came to Fremantle. Peter Mann, yep. That's man with two ends. Yeah. I remember I that. Lee, Bra- I just Lee Brown ended up at Collingwood, but I'm pretty sure he might have had a stint at North Melbourne in between Fremantle and Collingwood. Anyway. Either way, I'm looking forward to another North Melbourne uh, uh, premiership. I'm looking forward to everything that goes with okay. that, and it's going to be great. So I take it you're shoeho- shoehorning yourself in again next week? I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I mean, like, Jay's not here to tell me not to, so... Right. Well, you're more than um, welcome. If, if I get invited a lot... <laughs> if I get invited, then sure. I mean... Yeah, come back. Let's like you're watching stop. Eagles games, so fuck yeah. <laughs> well, we might have to do an Eagles game after this one. Demolition Derby, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> there it is. Let's, let's watch a good one. Let's watch a good one. Let's watch a bit of Biff. Nah, you got you continue with your grand final trend. No, no, we're going to break it up at some point. So, well, don't let well uh, maybe don't let the demolition derby be the first Eagles game um, that isn't a grand final that you that you show. Okay, because it's not going to be it's not going to go down well. No. You might have to even make the little logo that has the winning team's colours. <laughs> so you might have to accidentally put. Jay's face is like the white, and you're the green, and then the purple is the look. It's not gonna. It's not a good oh, look yeah. for you. No, that's very yeah, whatever. That's back when they had all the garish colours as well. It's yeah. Oh my god. I, I still. I'm still wearing my Dockers outfit right now. I'm not even joking. So, if you make me pod mm. next pod for the no, actually for the demolition derby pod, if and when, I'll wear my original Dockers outfit. Um. The cotton collared um, anchor, hard yakka. Hard yakka, yep. <laughs> getting it done. Olympic gas hard yakka. I'm talking about old school. Old school. So right. you don't if have you the, pull uh, it out. 
You don't have the green away Guernsey, do you? No, okay, so funny story. This has turned into a Freo podcast. Um, my brother my brother had the, the home Guernsey, which was the purple at the bottom and then the, the green and the and the red in um on the pecs and then the anchor. While I had as a kid the cotton away Guernsey, which was the green at the bottom, purple in the two pecs and yeah. then the Yeah. I, I, I grew out of that or it got ruined. But my brother's one was immaculate and in mint condition. And every time he wore it as a kid, it was like a dress. It came down to just above his knees. Now, as a 31-year-old man, I can wear this Guernsey and it it fits me not like a glove. It fits nicely. It fits like a modern Guernsey. So I'm happy to wear that. I'm happy to – we're going into winter at some point and – I'm happy to wear that. You know what they say about the Fremantle Guernsey? No, I'm sure it's something derogatory, but go on. Freo is the contraceptive device. I don't think they say that. I don't... I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I know. I mean, you've said it, right? <laughs> All right, on that note, good night, Cameron. Thank you. Always use a condon. Condon? Is it? Yeah, always use a, a condon. And use your Anthony Condon's number three. Thank you very much. Good night. Like, subscribe, review. Yeah, you should. Uh, you can check us out over on Facebook. Just search up We Talk Footy. Uh, we're not on iTunes yet because they hate us, but yeah, we'll get there. Uh, we're also on YouTube and Spotify, um, and we're also going to be signing out right now. So, Cameron, catch you next week, buddy. is the contraceptive device.